Doo, it's Melby of Sparse Girls. Oh, D. Simon, good job on getting Kate on your podcast. She's great. Oh, I'm at Finger Mummins. Toodaloo. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I am one of your hosts, D. Simon. I'm Kate Ramvo. Shalom. <laughs> It's a good uh, good intro there. Shalom, motherfuckers. <laughs> Shalom, motherfuckers. Fuckers, yeah. <laughs> Sound like a Jewish gangster right before he's like takes his Tommy gun out. Yeah, Bugsy. Waste everybody. Mm-hmm. Bugsy Siegel. So how about that election there, Kate? What a nail biter. Yes. I'm sick of hearing about it now, to be honest. <laughs> I was wondering what the British sentiment was on that. Like, are you just at the point now where you're just like, I've reached critical mass. I am annoyed with this fucking thing now. yeah i am in the pub with a pint waiting for it all to blow over i'm just bored of it i like the memes don't get me wrong but oh, the just, memes are hilarious i'm just bored of hearing about it now whatever like america's problem is that he thinks the whole world should care about who's president of america but well it's the uh you know illusion of central position this is we're true. the only ones who matter yeah it's our, it's our yank arrogance there's so much going on in europe at the minute that like kind of is more important than america and Americans seem to just be like blindsided to that. Well, the only thing that matters is Trump versus Biden. Yeah, the it's only like... thing. <laughs> Red so versus blue. Are we, do you think we are more of a laughing stock now than we were in 2016? No, because Trump is out, which is a good thing. Trump is officially out. Good. So it's probably a good thing. There's going to be a dog in the White House again, a lovely dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, he's, Trump was the first president to not have an animal right yeah is it like in a hundred years there's uh, not been fucking... a dog there's always been a dog in the white house and now trump didn't or or cats i think yeah there was always cats like in a, the past. a pet and... but a pet of some sort trump you know? was also the first president in a very long time something like 40 years that didn't exercise <laughs> even bill clinton like jogged his fat ass around you know yeah fucking he would Pennsylvania go to the Avenue. burger king yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like that Phil Hartman sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, so was anything even remotely close to like this election chaos ever happened in the UK? Like where it's come down to like a pivotal state and possibly a recount and then the incumbent refusing to concede and trying to get legal action. It's not been that bad, but the coalition between the conservatives and the Lib Dems is probably just as embarrassing and similar. But okay, if there's a situation though between like the Tories and the Libs or the Worker Party, what was it? What's your the Labour Party is the Worker Party. Okay, yeah. All right, let's say there was a situation like this where the candidates were were neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Could the Queen intercede and say, "I vote that it will be Tory this year"? She can. But oh, she could do that. Yes, she has total control of everything. If the Queen wants something, the Queen gets it. But she. She's for the people, so if the people voted for it, she will go with what the people say, even if she thinks it's ridiculous. So in that respect, Biden won the popular vote by over 4 million. Mm-hmm. So do you think she'd be like, it is Joe Biden who's the next king of the United States of America? You sound just like an Englishman. <laughs> 
fit right in the here. The trans version <laughs> of Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, but I mean, would she do that based on the popular vote? Yeah. Well, you yeah, guys don't have this no electoral college yet. nonsense. No. Which, yeah, makes no sense. But the fact of the matter is, Biden won the electoral college and the popular vote. Yes. And Trump was the only candidate to ever lose the popular vote twice. Oh. Yeah, it's got a sting. I'm wondering what's next. That mm-hmm. that's kind of where sure I'm I definitely, you know, I'm kind of getting bored of the election and just kind of over it. We've been inundated for the past few months with all the mm-hmm. vitriol and all the stupid memes and the idiots on Facebook, you know, liberal and conservative fighting against each other. It's just like, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> and I'm yeah. just I'm done talking about it. However, I do want to see what Trump's going to do next. I want him to be dragged out the White House by the Secret Service. I, that would be worth it alone. Just well, to I, see the pro, like the ex-president <laughs> dragged out. I did see that, uh, that, I think it was Vanity Fair, who said Trump's planning to barricade himself in the White House Oval Office. It's like, that would be amazing. What, what I wouldn't mind seeing is if Trump's like, all right, proud boys. Yeah. It's time to stand tall and stand up and whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and if he calls them out with all their AR-15s to like, you know, keep them in the White House and protect the White House, and just the U.S. military just sends in these drones and just kills them all. them all. Yeah, because <laughs> they can and they will. Yeah, Kent State it too, happens. baby. Yeah. I mean, what would happen if David Cameron was just like, "I'm not leaving Number Ten Downey Street." Oh God. Well, I'd just go and set fire to it, probably. <laughs> Send no, him a load I mean, of pig's do, heads. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys also have Secret Service that protects all the... Of course. James uh, Bond. Uh, well, I guess, I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. But, I mean, is it like that, though, when, like, you know, Cameron, uh, you know, resigned or whatever? He didn't resign. He just, he served his term. Yes. And the next, uh, Boris comes in. It was, yeah, I think it was Cameron and Boris. Um, do, does he have Secret Service for life? Does he have, like, oh, a no, double no. O protect him for life like we do? I suppose our... Prime ministers are a bit different to presidents because they are they're public servants first. Well, so like Trump has never been a public servant, and he's never had to like work his way up to get to where he is. I don't so think he's, he's kind of like work. a celebrity in a way. He was on telly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He was you know a reality show. Yeah, so it's president. a different situation. I guess I'm just wondering. So if Cameron refused to leave. Downey mm-hmm. Street. Would they just take him out? Yeah. He would be dragged out. <laughs> and the English people would love that. Oh, yeah. They would love that. I hope that happens with Boris, actually. I don't know. You know what I'm thinking is more realistically what's going to happen? You know, Jared Kushner is telling Trump he has to concede. I think I've heard something at Melania is telling him that he needs mm-hmm. to concede. Not that he really listens to, to Melania. <laughs> but what I'm thinking, Trump's going to be like, all right, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. But first... He's going to wipe his ass on everything in the White House. He's probably hiring hookers to piss all over the beds. beds yeah. I'm sure he's coughing on the curtains to give Biden the COVID. You know, that that's the thing. I can see Trump just doing something like that. You know, He should hire a punk band to come and play a party and just, you know, do one of those Facebook shout outs where it's like, party at the White House, yo. <laughs> just destroy it. Yeah, and just get everyone to destroy it. I'm sure he's like hiding fish in the vents or something, you know. Yes. He's like, oh, I'm going to get them because Trump's that petty. That, that's the thing. I'm going to miss Trump's antics. I'm not going to miss him, but I'm going to miss his antics. I'm going to miss his tweets. Yeah. He's very delightful on Twitter. Oh, he's hilarious. He's yeah. hilarious. But I don't think, I really don't think this is, the, this is the end of Trump or the Trump family. 
I kind of want him to come out of it and like he'll go on Stern and he'll just be normal and he'll be like, I did it all for revenge. Well, from Stern the, from is that Obama's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Stern has said that he's like, you know, I don't think he's fit to be a president, but I, I loved having him as a friend. Yeah, and a guest on the show. He'll so. definitely be back on Stern talking about it. Mark my words, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Trump is not going to concede. He's going to maintain this these falsehoods that the election was stolen from him, and that to try to keep his base. And then he and his shitty family are going to start the Trump Truth TV network. Yes, it's, uh, the TTN. And it's going to be for all the QAnon support. It's going to be even way crazier than Fox News. And it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's like the far right version of Fox News. I would say it's probably even crazier than InfoWars. Or maybe along the same lines. I bet you he probably buys InfoWars. And Alex Jones is like one of the, like the Sean Hannity of the Trump Truth Network. Do you think he would buy like a compound in Montana or Waco, Texas? And build a super church that they can all come and worship him in and get the hats half price? Yeah, but he needs to live in a big city. I think he'll turn Mar-a-Lago yeah. into like some huge compound. Oh, he should buy Epstein's old island. <laughs> he yes. probably knows it really well. <laughs> He's probably quite familiar with Epstein's I think he island. Is. Yeah. It's up for sale. <laughs> but I think it's gonna be the Trump Truth Network. And what might be interesting is if if you know all the QAnon and all the crazies that have been in the Republican Party in the past few years start following Trump and the Trump Truth Network. And then he starts, he, or maybe Don Jr. runs for president, although Trump has said he might run again in 2024. I wonder if it will splinter the Republicans, because you got, you know, you got the Mitt Romney Republicans, and you got all the, yes. like, the Lindsey Grahams who are just opportunistic. If they're like, well, now what am I going to do? Because I wonder if it's going to split the Trump, split the Trump voters, or the Republican voters who would normally not vote Trump, vote moderate. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think all those whack jobs that are so into MAGA though, they're like not 0.8% of actual, like the real was the Tea Party that became the QAnon thing. But yes. yeah, you're right. It's a fraction. It's a very it's a small fraction. fraction of crazies, but it would be great to watch them and the thing start is, a little cult. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, if you think about the Republicans, like, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Castro and, and uh, fucking the sycophant in Texas. Ted Cruz, yes. all these guys were anti-Trump when he was running in 2016, and they and he said horrible things about them and their and their families and everything. And then uh, Trump becomes president, and then they're like, okay, yeah, we love Trump and they support Trump. But now that Trump's out, they're gonna be like, oh fuck that guy, I never was with him. Well, exactly, that's you politics. Know? So they're all slimy people. They're all spineless. They Every politician, all of them, both sides. Yeah, there's only. Hunter S. Thompson should have been sheriff. But other than that, <laughs> every other politician throughout time, they are all sucking the cock of Satan to get. To be where they are, all of them. I agree. And the thing is, you know, sure, Joe Biden won this election, but he has a thankless job because now yes. it's like all the pressure's on. Mm-hmm. He's going to have all the people on the right just like, you know, berating. berating him, pointing scathing comments, ridiculing him. And then you have all the Democrats who are just like, yeah, you guys solve everything now because we luck. elected you. Yeah. You know, and so I don't know what people, I don't know if people think like the first day in office, COVID's going to be gone. He's going to solve it. He's coming into a very bad legacy because he has to now not only improve four years of damage, he's then got to like build his policies on top of four years of damage. Yeah, it's a thankless job. So he's four years behind already. It's a thankless job. Yeah, I wonder if like the pandemic is just going to disappear as soon as he takes office. I want Biden's first role in office to build the fucking wall. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine?
imagine? I would love right, it. Right when he's elected, he's like, so uh, the one thing Trump did that I agree with is build that fucking wall. Yeah. I'm going to finish it. <laughs> it's like, he, Trump made it, what, about 15 miles? Yeah. <laughs> so it, that would be, a, I don't know what would happen then. Um, but you know what the thing is, is it, let's say things do get kind of back to normal and the COVID, you know, is, is somewhat controlled. Shit's not going to be the same for a long time. No. And you think about like some cities are going to be irrevocably changed. I mean, LA, there's been a lot of like uh, landmark bars, restaurants, pubs, businesses have just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite goth businesses closed down, Necromance. But it's all because of these COVID casualties. And, you know, I'm sure over in the UK, you guys are in like lockdown part two. Right? Yeah, this pointless lockdown that has <laughs> been that Boris Johnson lied about. I don't understand why. Like, I don't they, understand I mean, you, why. You did have an increase in but cases, it was- but. It was minuscule. They were predicting like 4,000 deaths in all of December. And it's been like, I think 300 people have died since October of the COVID. Well, I read that the, uh, I guess the stats that they were going off of were greatly exaggerated. Yeah. And so, Boris knew that. But why does he want a lockdown? Why it's does he want a lockdown? Who, who knows why? There'll be bigger things going on. But he's also a numpty. He's a total numpty. Maybe maybe that's part of it. But so there have been a lot of uh, pubs and shops that just closed down forever in like yeah. in the town that you live in. Um, not necessarily my town. The border but towns. I, the borders. I do know places that are never going to reopen again. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing that sucks. I mean, LA's had a lot of COVID casualties, and some of them, some of them, I'm like, oh, you know, that sucks. But I, I never really went there anyway. But if they fucking shut the Rainbow Room down. That's you I'm, I'm gone. done. I'm leaving LA. I'm gone. I mean, they closed Amoeba Records, even though I guess it's moving to a that smaller was, That place. was already going to be happening before COVID. Yeah, they sold the building. Yeah. But I mean, it accelerated it. COVID yes. did. And so, but they, they are moving it to a smaller place. But I love the original building. But yeah, the, the one thing that, uh, that, that affected me, a COVID closure that recently affected me, I was actually in San Francisco. The, the famous, iconic strip club, the Mitchell Brothers, Mm-hmm. Mitchell Brothers on O'Farrell and Polk uh, closed the stores after 50 years in business just this past week. That's they announced crazy. that they can't do it. They can't How do it many anymore. strip clubs are open for 50 years? Well, SF has some old ones. I mean, yeah. uh, a lot of them were like the Condor Club has been there for years. Um, Hungry Eye was, well, that was a, a comedy club that like Lenny Bruce performed at and all that. But Mitchell Brothers, I mean, you could almost say, is the birthplace of porn in a way. You can. And we'll get to that in a second. But, I mean, it's just such an iconic and notorious place. Um, you know, it's right right, uh, it's right at the corner of O'Farrell and Polk, which is a pretty sketchy area. It has been sketchy for years and years. My brother actually lives like a block, or not even a block, two buildings over. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah, right next to the uh, one of my favorite venues, the Great American Theater over there. Um, but the thing is that, that set Mitchell Brothers apart from a lot of the other strip clubs um, was that a lot of the other strip clubs are owned by Deja Vu. They're very corporate. Yes. Um, Mitchell Brothers was its own independent business, you know, started by Jim and Artie Mitchell, the brothers, back in uh, 1974. Um, but it was also just kind of a hardcore strip club compared to the other ones. Was yeah. the first hardcore strip club, was it not? You know, I think it might have. Actually, I think the Condor was the first topless club. But the Mitchell Brothers, Mitchell Brothers is the first club where you could go see like, you know, a lesbian, well, like yeah, yeah, like a lesbian sex scene or like a girl with a strap on. Yeah. I mean, I've been there. It was definitely, I mean, it was pretty hardcore. And it was a cool looking building. The building's iconic. Yeah. And it, I've it, never inside. been to San Francisco, but I know that building. 
Well, it's it's famous. I mean, yeah. so many uh, celebrities have been there, and it used to be like a hangout in the seventies where everyone would just go in the eighties too. We'd just go hang out in like the the back room because they had, or not the back room, it was like the office, but they had like pool tables. Everyone was like doing crazy amounts of drugs. Hunter S. Thompson, Hunter S. Thompson called it the Carnegie Hall of uh, strip clubs. I've seen the pictures of him inside there. But John, have you ever seen the John Cassavetes film Killing of a Chinese Bookie? Uh, yeah, a long time ago. That's all centered that- around a strip club, and there is. No way that John Cassavetes, Ben Gazzara, and Peter Falk were not partying. Oh, they at had the to Mitchell have been. Brothers. Yes, I mean, they the, would have been there. The first, well, I would say the first commercially successful porn behind the green door was filmed there. Yes, that you know, and, changed porn. Yeah, it, it, it changed everything. It, it, it defined, uh, you know, it, they, they combated uh, obscenity laws and uh, defined like freedom. You know, in, in you know, for, kickstarted uh, for feminism. Amendment. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, this place had been open for decades, and it was cool. It had, like, all these mirrored walls, velvet curtains everywhere, different themed rooms, like the Copenhagen room. I want this to be my house. Oh, it was was super cool. It was very lush. They had, like, disco balls and red rotating lights, and they had, like, hardcore lap dances. I'm talking fully nude. I mean, I've known a a few guys, and I've I've known a few girls that, you know, a few guys who frequented the place and a few girls who worked there who, I mean, one girl in particular said... I'm not going to say the celebrity's name, but let's say uh, he's good friends with Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> she said, like, he, they had full-on sex in a booth there. So, yeah, I can see I mean, him doing that. That happened there. And I think people just kind of turned the other cheek and just sort of ignored it because it was expected. That type of raunchy behavior was expected at, at, the, at Mitchell Brothers. Uh, one of their famous things was the uh, flashlight shows were perverts it'd be in a dark room there'd be a bunch of girls like either on top on your table mm-hmm. or a bunch of girls on a table and you were just sat there when you'd be given a, like a fucking cum coated flashlight and you could just like just shine it in their orifices that sounds quite <laughs> sexy though imagine like a room of that i, I think yeah, i'm down for that <laughs> you know i auditioned there three times for the flashlight show no <laughs> Yes, I auditioned for the flashlight show, and they're just like your asshole is disgusting. It's it's it looks like a squirrel died in there. Um, no, I auditioned to work there as a strip club DJ during the time I was I was DJing. It was like uh, mid aughts, but I I was working. I got my start at the Deja Vu clubs on Broadway. So you're an enemy then. You're working for the corporate tools. Well, yeah, more or yeah. less. But what sucked about it is like I had to travel all the way from the Tenderloin because I lived. I don't know, like five minutes away. Not even five minutes. It was at the end of my block was Mitchell Brothers. So I could just walk, you know, from my apartment right over to Mitchell Brothers. So I was like, God, it'd be so much more convenient than having to schlep all the way on a moody train all the way across town to get to Broadway. So I went over there and auditioned. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, they had me work one whole night. And then the other two times, it was just kind of like testing me out, sort of. But it was weird. It was it was weird. Like the way their DJ shifts. There's one guy that was the main guy who'd been there for I don't know twenty years. He looked like a strip club DJ, just yeah. a big gut and a mullet, um, bad teeth. But the uh, the other DJs, you kind of rotated, so everybody got a DJ shift. So like one day you'll be working the door, or one day you'll be working the concession booth. And one I wouldn't day- <laughs> be down for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah then one day you'll be DJing because they they thought it was spreading the wealth, and I was like, fuck that. Oh, it's but- to do. Is it to do with tips? Yeah, because yeah. Uh, you'd make more money as a DJ getting tipped out by the girls. Than yeah, you nobody's would, uh, tipping the doorman. Yeah, they? well, some yeah. some the girls tip the doorman when they walk them to like their car or something. Yeah, but I mean, you know, patrons are not they're very rare. Tipping. Yeah, yeah, nobody's uh, tipping the guy giving out juju fruits. The only time that happens is if uh, like they're like, "Hey, can you get us some cocaine?" 
And the door guy's like, yeah, for 50 bucks. Yeah. I know that happened a lot at the Gold Club. Um, but yeah, so anyway, yeah, I, I remember auditioning there and they basically told me that they don't like to hire people who work for Deja Vu. If you worked on the block, on the Broadway block, he's like, we kind of don't want to be associated with that. You guys are blacklisted. Kind you, of. Jews are used to that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're being anti-Semitic. I think they're being uh, anti-Deja Vu strip club DJ, which is fine. It worked out for me because I ended up going to Hustler Club that was affiliated with Deja Vu and worked my way up. Um, but but Mitchell Brothers was always that place that was kind of cool. I've been there a few times, too. Just for, I went once for a birthday party, um, saw a porn star up on stage uh, doing a uh, feature show. Um, but it was just like one of those places you're like, yeah, fucking Mitchell's. It was also the running joke. It's like, yeah, we can, because you're walking by, like you stop by Mitchell's, get a hand job. Um, place had been uh, just celebrated its 50th anniversary. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, so it's finally done. It's done. It's finally dimming its lights. But what a storied history with this fucking place. And so that's kind of what I want to get into is the story of the Mitchell brothers. Because, you know, Jim Mitchell killed his brother Artie, murdered Artie. This is the perfect story. It's like everything I like. It's murder and porn. Yeah. It's murder <laughs> in the 1970s. And porn. Yeah. So uh, it all started and, you know, the, the club opened up and uh, actually opened up 1969. But uh, the, Mitchell, the Mitchell family was from uh, the East Bay, California. So Antioch, which is like uh, about a 45-minute train ride into the city. Yeah. So, but they're from Antioch. And uh, Jim Mitchell was a part-time filmmaking student at uh, San Francisco State University. And uh, he, he aspired to become the next Roman Polanski. As they all did back then. <laughs> so uh, while he was in school, he worked at a, I guess, kind of a, sort of a, this was a sex club, but sort of like a porn theater called Follies. Yes. And uh, they would show plotless films. Not really a porn film. It was just like, yeah, it was a porn. It wasn't a porn movie with a with a plot. It's a stock you know? film. They were all stock film. films back then. It's just here's some tits, Gr- a naked bush. dancers or something. Yeah, and bush. Um. So anyway, he said, uh, you know, he's working there part time, and uh, he said that the whole place was filled with guys just masturbating just for the on screen nudity. I'm used to that. <laughs> hitting up the porn theaters. <laughs> no, I have a room in my house that's just full of men masturbating. Oh, okay. Well, that's just, convenient. Yeah, I can just walk in whenever I want. It stinks. Are you on stage? Oh, no, no. They're just in there masturbating. Are they <laughs> in there against their own will? Like, do they have to be Some there? Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, the plot of misery. <laughs> just trap authors and and put them in a room. You know, I'm going to be careful if I ever come visit you. Yes, you will be hobbled. Po- this is like the podcast hobbled. host room. You're going to be hobbled and masturbating. And forced in the, to masturbate. <laughs> until the forced you, masturbation room. Until your cock is worn down to a nub. <laughs> <laughs> Never coming to England. Mental note. Um, but yeah, so anyway, he, they were, he was shocked. He invited his brother over. His brother was in uh, the United States Army. And uh, he, fin- he was discharged. And he was like, you know what? This is a lucrative career opportunity for the both of us. So Jim, who already had his, you know, started you know, getting his, uh, developing his filmmaking chops, they used a 16 millimeter Bolex camera and they would produce like 11 minute softcore loops of just girls getting naked. Yes, yeah, saucy around. videos. Yeah, earning $6 profit on the first one. Right, okay. So they were becoming hey, uh, six- porn auteurs. $6 profit is better than no profit. But I mean, at the time, I don't, th- you know, I guess Playboy was around, but I don't think you had anything harder core than that. No. In the 60s. And 
I also don't think you had like full on strip clubs either where you can get lap dances at that point. Yeah, I don't think so either. Maybe, maybe in New York might have had something. Mm-hmm. But I, there wasn't like, you know, porn theaters per se. There were these stag theaters where you could watch these stag clips, but I don't think that anything where you were seeing like, you know, a full on like cum shot or behind the no, ball shot. No, it was shot. still very much very secretive as well. Yeah. Because even yeah. the pictures of Marilyn Monroe, she helped change it because she admitted to it and said, yeah, I did it to help make money. But at the time, that was so scandalous. Yeah, and uh, who's the other pinup girl I'm blanking on? Betty... Betty Page. Betty Page. Betty Page. Also, yeah. I mean, she was... That was what, the 50s? Yes. And Same she was doing scandalous things. Yeah, but, mm. but they were just like these softcore movies of her maybe showing her tits. Yeah, or just like having fun with another girl, whipping her, where it's not even anything that we would consider pornographic nowadays. Well, we get a whole different level yeah. know, <laughs> standards now. Um, but like Betty Page wasn't strapping it on and like Roger and the girl. No, she wasn't. Yeah. So, I mean, I think none of that was actually happening. Um, so anyway, the Mitchell Brothers opened the O'Farrell Theater on the corner of, uh, of uh, O'Farrell and Polk on July 4th, 1969. 200 plush seats with good quality sound and lighting equipment. It wasn't some disgusting, you know, back alley porn theater. Um, and it was an instant financial success. You good know, for them. Because all the masturbators like, I can masturbate in style. These seats are so plush. Yeah. They're made of velvet, aren't they? <laughs> like Fred Willard was like, I'm sure he had his yeah. special seat there. <laughs> That's my favorite yeah, Fred like Willard story. Five seats down from Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we have, we have our, you know, the seats reserved for Fred Willard. The wankers of San Francisco. Um, but yeah, as soon as they opened, three weeks later, raided. You know, which uh, seemed to... Um, be a hallmark of this this uh, venture, this business venture. A lot of a lot of legal problems. So yeah, uh, as I said before, Hunter S. Thompson called the Mitchell Brothers the Carnegie Hall of Sex Amazing. Um, in America. Yeah, which is great. And he was a he was a frequent um, guest at the uh, at the Mitchell Brothers. And there's been like a couple. There's one really good book called X Rated: The Mitchell Brothers: A True Story of Sex, Money, and Death. Uh, that was written by uh, Dave McCumber, and they also made that into. Um, a movie called X-Rated with Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. Oh, is it a made-for-TV movie? No, this is an actual oh, movie was that it? came I was out. Say, I love made-for-TV movies. I want to say 2009, maybe? Yeah. Maybe earlier, but it's a good movie. You should check it out. Um, uh, Emilio Estevez directed it. Right, okay. Yeah, he's like a pretty good director. He comes out with what, some what odd things. I think yeah. he's probably just mainly directing now. So Jim and Artie Mitchell were both involved in the over 200 cases of uh, involving obscenity. And they fought each one. And each victory, you know, set a legal precedent for porn. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's, if you think about it, these guys were true porn pioneers. Like Larry Flint. Yeah, li- mm. like Larry Flint. Like, they helped, you know, combat obscenity laws and shift the puritanical mind point of Americans. Like, that that whole, you know, that morality, that forced morality that they have. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the UK is the same. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's happening now with drugs. If you think about it, that's that's one thing we point this out on uh, the we we're talking about it on the uh, Patreon outtakes. But the true winner of this election were drugs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. I mean, Portland, Oregon decriminalized cocaine, heroin. Everyone is moving to Oregon. I know. I was just like, wow. That's you know, that's a step in the right direction. Several other states uh, legalized marijuana. 
Yeah, states you would never think as well in the South. Like, yeah, was it Alabama? Arizona. Uh, you know, I don't remember if it was Alabama. There was some Southern states that were shocking. But yeah, we, we talk about it on the, uh, the Patreon outtakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to what's happening now with the with these you know drug cases. It's like we we have this like sense of morality that we don't want you know people aren't allowed to smoke marijuana and people you know be in prison. So that mindset's changing. And these guys did this, you know. In the early 70s with porn. Yeah, the porn pioneers. Porn pioneers. They built it, and everyone came. So at Jim's first trial, San Francisco District Attorney, one of the, uh, one of the district attorneys that fought him pretty uh, hardcore was Diane Feinstein. Yes. He's very against the Mitchell Brothers. Yeah. Uh-huh. She, well, she's a senator, California senator. Um, at his first trial, the DA charged that porny, that's what they call it, they call it <laughs> pornography, porny, had become a $5 million a year business. And with two dozen theaters in San Francisco alone, uh, Mitchell Brothers ended up owning 11 of them at one time. Uh, But that Mitchell was the evil force behind it all. And so, yeah, he was on on trial at first. And uh, Artie Mitchell went in in 1971. Um, He had a 10-minute opus called Glowy Flesh. That was his first movie. (laughs) But, you know, the uh, jury did come back with a guilty verdict there. That was like the first guilty verdict that they actually that stuck they got probation and after that the city um, diane feinstein behind it was trying to force uh, porn theaters to be licensed so you had to go in front of a city council and prove that you're a, a legitimate business that needs a business license okay like a cabaret license i see i see and so um at a uh, commission hearing i guess uh, they brought 15 witnesses in the community to uh, vouch for the brothers good standing um, even Jim Mitchell's wife explained uh, in a succinct statement, uh, because they were trying to, you know, basically regulate porn palaces and, and uh, pass, uh, pass these harsh, you know, restrictive laws. Um, and she said, people go there because they enjoy it. That's true. What else are you going there for? Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, people, are they harming anyone? No. In fact, I'd almost say they're helping society. They definitely help society, and this is before you can like log on to Pornhub as well. Yeah, I mean, so, you even so, it's like you had all this pent up like sexual tension. Of course, and this um, is coming from the fifties and sixties, where people were still sleeping in separate beds to their yeah. spouse. Yeah, this I mean, is such like, a repressed culture at yeah. that time. Oh, totally. Good on them. So, in nineteen seventy-two, they made their first porn film, Behind the Green Door. Uh, this is the big time. Uh, it cost them sixty thousand dollars to make the film. And that movie went on to become the highest grossing porn movie in history. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that that was the highest grossing porn film. Raking in $25 million. That is fantastic. Well, because you, you don't have anything like that now. No, I love vintage porn as well. This, well, this is my era of porn. There's Deep Throat. Um, the Devil in Miss Jones. Yeah. My all time favorite Dallas. porn film is called Punk Rock 77. Punk Rock 77. It's kind of like Johnny Ward, like John Holmes, but it's all about like the New York crime scene. It's got original songs in it and it's it's filthy. I love vintage porn. It's well, great. I mean, if you think about it, so Marilyn Chambers looked quite sexy in that movie. She's she really fantastic. Yeah. She looks like the daughter of Sybil Shepherd and Alicia Silverstone. If they had a mutant offspring, it would be Marilyn Chambers. She's so she American. She kind of look like both of them. Um, but the thing is with her... She doesn't look like a typical porn star. Definitely not by today's standards. Not by I mean, today's standards. She was kind of flat chested. Yeah. She sort of had like, you know, just kind of normal looking. She has like kind of a muscular body, I would say. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you don't really see that. I mean, now it's like, you know, 
blonde hair, huge big fake tits. tits. Yeah. You know, fake lips, fake ass. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that's kind of that's the thing. Well, now it's kind of like the pog, like the fat ass. Oh yeah, they the all white like girls. That. That's like a big thing. Um, but I mean, Marilyn Chambers at the time, you know, it's the early seventies. They thought she had like an assertive sexuality. It was very sincere. Like what yeah. you were seeing on on screen, you know, wasn't artifice. It wasn't you know a woman faking mm-hmm. an orgasm. You know, um, she's having there's no fun. Viagra. You know, yeah. with a with a you know med- medical induced erection. This is like for real. This is authentic porn. And is that why you prefer seventies porn? Yeah, it's one of the reasons. I also like it because I do think everyone's kind of more attractive because they are more normal-ish looking. But do you just like a huge bush? Is I don't mind the bush, but I like the fact the men are hairy too because I hate how in modern porn the men are just shaved like they're babies. <laughs> like all over. Like even some of them shave their under ha- underarm hair. Like I don't want to sleep you? with a smooth, silk, silky dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying you're offended by a finely shorn scrotum? Finely shone, yeah. I like a bit of hair on both men and women. Like, so a little bit of hair. And I guess in the 70s, they had more than that. They had more than hair. Yeah. But they, they properly kiss. They properly sweat. There's just something. And like the all the shots are like long shots as well. It's not like the extreme close-ups they do where it's just like balls banging into a pussy. And you get to see Ron Jeremy when he's really attractive. It's <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. It's a big plus. But no, like what you were saying before, behind the green door was uh, deemed a feminist milestone. By many, by many women, you know, um, this uh, Gloria Leonard, who is a former porn actress, and now she's a uh, she's a you know anti censorship uh, lawyer. Actually, she said women not only like sex, but at the time they could dictate where and when. It showed a woman in charge of her own sexuality, which you definitely don't see that on the bang bus. No, you don't, you know? <laughs> or in fake taxis. Um, but so I guess the film had been out for a while, and it was doing okay. It was you know another smut film. Um, But then Jim Mitchell kind of had a brilliant idea here. He called the wire services in New York. He said that the young woman, you know, who was uh, swallowing cum on the big screen was none other than the the young teen girl on the Ivory Snow soapbox. Clean as the driven snow. Yeah. So Ivory Snow was like a brand of soap. And when uh, I guess she was probably in her teens when she did that. Once he said, yeah, that's our leading lady in this porn film, well, that created kind of a huge, not really a controversy, but just a buzz. And uh, it became a major box office hit. You know, so then a little scandalous in a sense. So, um, yeah, that's what the, it took off. Uh, by 74, 1974, their empire stretched 11 theaters and movie houses. And they came out with a, several other works, such as uh, The Resurrection of Eve, Inside Marilyn Chambers, <laughs> And the autobiography of a flea, which uh, that starred uh, John Holmes. Okay, yeah, I've I've definitely seen autobiography of a flea. Are you? Uh, is John Holmes one of your favorite seventies male porn stars? No, because controversially, I don't like massive, huge, fucking elephant trunk dicks. Well, but I like the spectacle dogs. of watching it. But no, not in real life or watching it in porn. That's another problem with modern porn: is all these fucking disgusting looking dicks. You know, I think a lot of guys like to see that. Don't they say like the monster dong is just tearing apart like a tiny vagina? I think they do, but like I'm not necessarily into that. It's not <laughs> what not... I'm watching porn for. You don't monster have that bookmark? <laughs> the, the Godzilla dong? The Godzilla dongs tearing apart young females. Uh, bookmark this wonderful Godzilla dong movie today. Although there is a, a modern porn star I like. Her name is Evelyn Clare. She's tiny. She must be like five foot. 
and she's got like a very small body. She's very petite, but she's always she taking like those... multiple big dongs all at the same time. And so she, she, I always think, she, how is she like the next couple of days? She's cool. I think people would like her. I don't know. She's probably going to have colon issues. <laughs> Don't they lose sphincter control after a while? They do. Yeah, you got to be careful of that. Pink sock. You have to. <laughs> um, so in 78, the brothers sold a lot of their theaters. And they made only a couple more movies. Um, but the, the problem was, and this is uh, represented in Boogie Nights, uh, the end of the golden age of porn with videotapes. VHS kind of killed the classic, it you did. know, filmed porn that used to be on film. And so they were upset about it. They felt that, uh, you know, the art of the porn film was going. I think it was kind of like Burt Reynolds' character in uh, Boogie Nights. Yeah. They're right, um, though. It did. The art dropped out in the 80s. Yeah. And they didn't want to compromise their standards. You know, their artistic standards. They had integrity the, as porn it. auteurs. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so, you know, all of a sudden, in the early 80s, any guy with a camcorder, an obliging girlfriend, he could be a producer. He's now a porn producer. And I think they were, um, you know, a bit disenchanted with that. I wonder what they would feel about OnlyFans. Oh, they would hate it. <laughs> they would absolutely hate it. There's nothing. Now you don't even need a camcorder. Yeah, you can do it by yourself. You don't need... Phone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, their last movie that they did, which is pretty much to pay off bills in the mid-80s, was the Grafenberg spot. I have never heard of that. I've the never seen this one. The Grafenberg spot. The yeah, G-spot. The G-spot, yeah. Um, it was, uh, the special effects seemed to involve garden hoses. So it was about women who ejaculate. So it's like... Oh, so it's squirting? <laughs> yeah. So is this, do you think this, this might be the first ever squirting video then? I mean, it could be, but I think it was, I think they faked it. Yeah, but you still, know, they're the bringing, you know, they know about squirting. But guess who started it? Tracy Lords. When she was underage. She entered the audio oh. the adult video industry underage using fake identification. And they didn't know. Well, no, they didn't. Yeah, it was so in... she started that movie as a minor. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, they were one of the first to transfer their film titles to videotape and market them via ads in national sex magazines. Uh, they actually it's also forward thinking of them. This is like they are masters of PR and advertising to keep this going. Yeah, to keep it going that long. And on top of that, you know, they uh, they ended up opening you know the, the porn theater into a strip club Yeah, around this time, too. Um, I, actually, you know, I was wrong. They made the Grafenberg spot, but their last movie was Behind the Green Door, the sequel. And that came out uh, 87 here. And I guess it just was a huge bomb. People say <laughs> people say it was one of the worst porn pictures ever made, mainly due to an absence of a professional cast. OK, I'm going to watch that. Well, I've never seen it. I've never seen the, the sequel or the Grafenberg spot either. I actually think you can't find the um, the Tracy Lords one because it's child porn. Oh. I think it got like... I'm sure some sure, listeners are going to yeah. be posting that to Discord. <laughs> Please do. I want to see it. <laughs> Why am I just saying I want to see child porn? <laughs> child porn, you fucking nonce. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so despite the multiple arrests, you know, the brothers continued brazenly to show porn movies and uh, they escaped conviction because they had a, a lawyer michael john kennedy i don't know if he's part of the kennedy family who challenged the who continually challenged the legal definition of obscenity um so yeah they did the switch to live entertainment kind of around uh, the early 80s and yeah. san francisco was really upset about that oh really yeah, san francisco you know uh, prosecutors um defense attorneys 
uh, police were trying to say that they they basically was opening up they're opening up a a business of prostitution. Yes, a den Brothels, of prostitution, yeah. brothel, so to speak. Um, so they actually developed several rooms. There's the Green Door Room, the New York Live Main Stage, which is their big stage, the Copenhagen Lounge. It's where you could have your little flashlight parties. Um, but patrons could experience anything, like nude dances, lesbian bondage acts. Um, one famous uh, in 1982, police conducted a raid. A lot of people talk about this. That led to the arrest of 14 customers, six performers, and seven employees. But that was a fun night down the station. <laughs> they seized a 45 caliber submachine gun, two rifles, sawed-off shotgun, two pistols, um, lead-filled SAP gloves. I'm not sure what SAP gloves are. Uh, brass knuckles, a police baton, three grand in cash, bag of marijuana, a bag of an unidentified white powdery substance, mm. which subsequently disappeared mm. seriously from Down the police at the evidence station. room. <laughs> this is a great night at the police station. And uh, two customers were arrested uh, that were in their 70s. Oh, wow. Really yeah. old wankers. Everybody hung out there. Um, Another controversy that happened at the O'Farrell Theater on the main stage was Marilyn Chambers came back in 1985, and she sang two country western songs. Because, you know, she had a recording career. She did. She was, a, yeah, she tried to make it. She had disco songs, and she was in a country and western band, what they called Haywire. It was a Haywire? I yeah. don't think I've ever heard it. She had kind of a good voice. Multi-talented actress. Yeah, and she's like a multi-talented person yeah. as well. We're planning on uh, doing a bit of a profile as a Patreon bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, we're going to talk about Marilyn Chambers in a little more detail. But yeah, so anyway, she came back. You know, this is like she made uh, Behind the Green Door in the 70s. She came back on stage here in 85 to do a live performance of her two country western songs. Um, she called the show Feel the Magic. Um, but Chambers did a little bit more than just performing. Oh, you can feel the magic all right. Two dozen officers raided the midnight show and arrested her for prostitution. Two dozen. They said that she was having sexual contact with over 20 men in the audience. <laughs> Chambers said that uh, these people have been my fans for years. And it's a thrill for them to touch me up close. I really like Marilyn. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but I mean, now to, the, to these days standards, I mean, when I used to do a feature entertainer, the Gold Club is a bit more reserved. But I remember... I had a friend that worked at uh, Mitchell Brothers before I even auditioned there. And we went there to go check it out. And I can't remember the porn star's name. I want to say Raylene. But she was doing like a feature entertainer show. And she was pulling dudes up the audience, you know, up on stage, putting a dildo in their mouths and just fucking their faces. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't think Marilyn Chambers was doing that. She was probably doing lap dances, you know. Yeah, she probably was. Um, but yeah, they, they, uh, I guess the police queued up to be photographed with her <laughs> after she made Another bail. great day down the station. <laughs> no charges were ever filed. Yeah, there dropping. you go. Yeah. Even uh, Diane Feinstein was just like, you know, this is, let's just drop it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, the, uh, the, the O'Farrell Theater office was notorious. It was a popular hangout for many people. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson, Black Panther leader Huey Newton. Uh, political consultant Jack Davis. Also, I mean, Mayor Willie Brown from San Francisco used to hang out there. Mayor Frank Jordan of San Francisco. A lot of like the political elite, SF, you know, political elite would hang out there and a, a number of celebrities. There, in fact, there was a uh, secret door that went from the Great American Theater into the Mitchell Brothers. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure Motorhead used it when they played there. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, they, their holdings at this point, this is late 80s, about $50 million dollars. 
They owned 11 porn theaters in the SF Bay Area. That's craziness. 11 porn porn theaters. So what ended up happening, you know, they're still being plagued by all these lawsuits. Uh, People called the prosecutors the Smut Smiters. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great band name. Great punk (laughs) band name, that. (laughs) But I guess what they're trying to say, and this is what Kennedy, their lawyer, um, proved, was that as long as the sexually explicit material is not pandered to children or to people unwilling to see it, the public doesn't have a problem with it. Yeah, it's kept behind closed green doors. Closed green, green doors, doors, yes, you know. To each his own, let them have it. You know, and that, I think that kind of became the precedent, or they set the precedent, 70s and 80s, and kind of led to what we have now. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I don't think we'd have, you know, the freedom of uh, internet porn if it wasn't for, for these for trailblazers. These, yeah, porn pioneers. Yeah, Larry Flint definitely included, you know. Um, but the, uh, the family, the Mitchell family, had a lot of problems. They had a lot of internal issues that they had to deal with. Um, and so I'd say probably around the uh, you know late 80s, eh, mid-80s, late 80s, after they made their last movie that was very unsuccessful, the business just began to unravel. And part of it was because of the, uh, the rift between the two brothers. Um, so in 1991, Jim Mitchell shot and killed his brother, Artie. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a famous case. Uh, Mitchell, who was 48 at the time, claimed that the shooting was accidental. He tearfully testified that he went to Artie's home, armed with two guns. <laughs> I accidentally shot him with my two guns. <laughs> yeah, in a desperate attempt uh, to persuade his brother to give up the alcohol and the drugs. It sounds like his he's life. maybe a little high, too. <laughs> I think they both were high. Yes. Uh, prosecution sought a conviction of first-degree murder, arguing that he intended to kill 45-year-old Artie, his younger brother, in cold blood. To basically, so he didn't have to split the business, the profits from the business with him. Um, but Jim Mitchell uh, said that, uh, you know, his brother had, you know, his brother d- degenerated into a life of alcohol and drug abuse. So he was trying to help him and save him, like scare him straight with his guns. Oh, yeah. He went around there to give him an intervention. Yeah. With lead. <laughs> with lead. <laughs> lead intervention. <laughs> yeah. Dirty, hairy intervention. Um so Artie Mitchell was known as Party Artie to Party his friends. Party Artie. Yeah. And he and his brother were like, you know, somewhat celebrities in San Francisco. I'm sure they fucking got, probably got great drugs. They will have been known around town. Yeah. You know, they party with a lot of women. I'm sure. Uh, but in the months before the shooting, Artie's life, you know, degenerated into a haze of alcohol and drug abuse. Um, he became very paranoid, walking around with pistols in public. He was scared of his wife. He had children mm-hmm. too. And, you know, people were very concerned. And so the night of the shooting, Mitchell said he went to Artie's house to talk to him, to try to take his guns away because he was nervous about him carrying these guns around and try to coax him into going into an alcohol rehabilitation center, you know, rehab. So he went in there. He had a twenty-two and a thirty-eight, both pistols. Yeah. Uh, the elder brother kicked the door open, the locked door of the house open. Yeah, that sounds like really, he's really doing yeah, a peaceful Yeah, I'm coming in here to, to calmly talk him down. <laughs> he said he saw Artie rushing toward him with a gun in his hand. He testified that he recalled firing one shot into the ceiling, but could not remember anything else about the shooting. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> all, um, all told, the prosecution uh, proved that Mitchell fired eight shots, three that hit Artie in the abdomen, shoulder, and right eye. Oh. And uh, instead of a gun on Artie Mitchell's body, police found a beer bottle. Oh, I party, I party hard. Well, Party already had a beer bottle, not a gun, which yeah. is what his brother's saying. 
Um, but the weird thing too is Jim Mitchell was arrested moments later, walking down the street with a rifle stuffed down his pants. <laughs> Something is telling me that this Jim fellow is not quite mentally stable. I don't think either either one of them were. No, but I think uh, Bill might be a bit more, uh, <laughs> bit more on the uh, ledge. But when do you get to the point that you're like, you know, violently shooting your brother, <laughs> ending his <laughs> life with a with a you know with a gun? I watched um, a good little, it's 20 minutes, it's on YouTube, it's a little hard copy from back at the time. Um, so they're interviewing Artie's girlfriend who was in, in the place, who was in the apartment when Jim came in and shot her. And that's quite interesting to hear it from her, finding the body of him. And this is Artie's girlfriend? Yeah, who was also a stripper at oh, yeah, the Mitchell uh, Brothers. JoJo or something. I think she claims was. that um, Jim really hated Artie because Artie was getting all the young puss. Oh, you think she was, was young? She was 24, and she was like, Jim was always jealous of me. But Jim me was married, Artie. had kids. Yeah, but just because so was... you're married and have kids, you work in a strip club. You're not ever turning down all the babes who will throw themselves at you. I bet you what it was is he probably uh, was like, My brother's, you know, a degenerate alcoholic. He's, you know, probably pulling guns on people mm-hmm. at all odd hours. He probably didn't want to be in business with him anymore. Yeah, you know, I I think he probably killed him out of greed, because now he's the sole owner of the business. But you would never. But if you're going to do that, well, you would hire someone, because these guys all have known mafia. You yeah, couldn't be in the palm business yeah. at a time and not be embroiled with mafia money. Yeah, that's so true. He would have known assassins without a doubt. Yeah, I mean he's friends with Black Panther guys too. Yeah, I'm surprised he wouldn't just have them, you know, assassinated. They're both off their notes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but ultimately, lawyers, uh, you know, Jim Mitchell, I'm sure, had a lot of money, hired some um, very qualified lawyers. Uh, his, a- his legal team were, were proved that his actions were an ultimate example of brotherly love and self-sacrifice. Oh, wow. These are some good Jew lawyers that yeah. he got. So instead of being convicted of first-degree murder, he's convicted of manslaughter. He was acquitted of first and second degree. He's convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to six years in prison. That's, That's it. That's nothing. Yeah. And I guess... Uh, you know, he uh, while he awaited sentencing, an all-star cast of friends and O'Farrell Theater patrons rallied to help uh, minimize Jim Mitchell's sentence, including political fixer Jack Davis, writers Herb Gold and Hunter S. Thompson, and Warren Hinkle. Wow. So Hunter S. Thompson was in Jim Mitchell's camp. You know? Of course he was. He would have loved it. Well, I think he was like, this guy goes down. The strip club's going to go away. <laughs> yeah, my party time. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Every I time like I cocaine come to and I like titties. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what, he's probably just self-serving there. Um, but yeah, so he uh, he he did about, uh, actually just about three years in prison. That was it. That's nothing. Nothing. Is it? Yeah. For killing your brother in cold blood as well. Yeah, he, he was sentenced to six years. He walked out in just uh, three years. Um, initially after the murder, Artie's kids, uh, spouses and lovers all supported Jim. So in, initially they're just like, you know, he loved his brother uh, the entire family attended this massive wake that Jim had put on for his brother. This so he, is like, so did twisted. A lavish wake. Yeah, yeah. Um, he established the Artie Fund to collect money for a local drug rehab um, and a, a surf rescue squad. I guess uh, Artie's son almost was uh, almost drowned in uh, Ocean Beach. Uh, Artie's children have since denounced the fund, claiming Jim was trying to whitewash Artie's murder. It's a gaslighting attempt. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, they, they describe their father's murder as a premeditated murder that was motivated by greed and jealousy. Yeah. And they said the Artie that's depicted in the books, like X-rated and the movie, 
completely inaccurate. And so all of the uh, Artie's kids sued Jim Mitchell. This is brilliant. What year did they sue sue him? This would have been, uh, I think, shortly after the murders, like 94, 95. Yeah. In the mid-90s. Um, Jim Mitchell ended up dying at his uh, ranch in southern Sonoma County, uh, California, July 12, 2007, from an apparent heart attack. And the funeral uh, was, was in Antioch, attended by about 300 people. Um, included uh, a lot of the uh, the the O'Farrell elites, uh, elite theater patrons, and Ma- Mayor Willie Brown, former District Attorney uh, Terrence Hallinan too. He was respected in the community, even though he's a murderer. It's madness when you, yeah, it just is crazy. An insult to injury, buried next to his brother. Oh, what did Artie's kids think of that? I don't know, but it's a bit odd, all things considered. It's like Leopold and Lobesk in some ways. Just these two men who were so wrapped up and embroiled of each other that it does become like I think a folly. The they're ado. brothers, siblings, and he murdered him, and he's buried next to him. Yeah, and then he's he served three years in prison for it. I mean, if I was uh, if I was that kid, if I was his kid, like Artie's kid, I'd be like, "Fuck that, fuck you." You're Killing not being my buried dad next to my dad. Yeah, I would have put up a huge fight about it. Um, but yeah, so you know what the the interesting thing about it. Um, you know, the, the theater stayed, you know, the theater continued, continued on after Jim Mitchell. I mean, he ran it, but the family, you know, owned it and still in the business. I don't think day to day they were that involved. No, they just owned the property. Yeah. But I mean, he had like, uh, you know, his daughter already had a daughter. Uh, Jim Mitchell had a uh, Jim, uh, James Jr. Uh, who also, um, um, you know, was involved in the business and worked in the very, in, uh, various, fa- the, the family's various enterprises. However, you know, they also had their own uh, run-ins with the law oh, and legal no. issues. I mean, if you think about it, it's like they're kind of the classic, you know, wealthy trust funders that are just like, oh, fuck it. Law doesn't apply to me. I could get as many drugs as I want. I never quite understood it. So his daughter, Artie's daughter, Jasmine Mitchell, uh, was accused of phil- uh, facilitating a massive identity theft ring, not to mention being a meth addict. Um, they raided their apartment on a tip, and they found a large scale identity and credit card operation it's like you got a fucking huge trust fund this is all you're running this massive business why do you need a you know a credit card fraud operation in your your three-bedroom massive apartment just enjoy your life well that's what i would do but this is all very mafia what you do when you are embroiled with when you're in the in the family business yeah i mean you have these contacts too Exactly. You know. Could have gone to uni and got a degree and like, you know, kind of done that with your life. But why should you when you know you can be making millions? The funny thing is when she uh, she drove, came home into the parking lot of her building and she saw that uh, there are police cars there. So she like it was in a white Mercedes. She just tried to like evade arrest because they were coming to her car. And she rammed an unmarked police car, hit another police car, and then drove off eluding capture. They had to, like, find her. A fun night for Jasmine. (laughs) Jasmine is very much a stripper's name as well. It's nearly like Jismin. Jismin. Jismin, (laughs) yeah. Um, I'll have to suggest that to my sister in case she has a girl. Oh, yeah, for the baby. Yeah. It's better than Shmooley. Jismin. I think Shmooley works boy or girl, though. Oh, I think Shmooley works better for a girl. Than a boy? Yeah, Shmooley. Well, Shmuel, Shmuel is like the Yiddish name for Samuel. Shmuley is not an ugly name at all for a girl. 
I think I think it works <laughs> either way. It's a very uh, versatile name. Um, so yeah, so now she's wanted not only on identity theft warrants, also assault with a deadly weapon on a peace officer, <laughs> and she's a hit and run. Booked. Um, in 2011, Jim's son, Jim Mitchell's son, James Mitchell, um, Jim Jew. He was uh, sentenced to 35 years to life in prison. He's currently in prison uh, for murdering the mother of his child with a baseball bat. Jimmy. Yeah. Um, they like to murder in this family, don't they? Yeah. No, I mean, he literally beat her brains out with a baseball bat. And then he pried his shrieking daughter from underneath her mother's body and fled. Tried, to, flee, tried to get to with Mexico. a baseball bat. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, in a series of uh, on-the-run phone conversations, Mitchell told, her, told the family members that he was going to take off to Mexico, but they caught him. They caught him before that. So, yeah. Um, this They're not very up, clever murderers. No, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. So, yeah, and this guy ended up getting 36 years of life. And he was actually tried in the courtroom that was adjacent to the room that his dad was tried in oh, for the murder of his uncle. Precious family memories. Yeah, family memories there. But yeah, you know, Mitchell Brothers is going to be missed. I, I, for one, will miss that club. Not that I went there all the time. I just liked, I liked the landmark. I liked that it existed. And even the history of it, like these guys were embroiled in murder and all that. But they've changed, they changed society. They changed laws. They changed like liable laws. Porn pioneers, and I respect that. Yeah, I I do too. And plus it was like a landmark strip club. Like the Condor Room in uh, in uh, San Francisco too is one of those classic places. It's been there for years. Yeah. You it's kind of per- like Stringfellows in London. Is that like a like a vintage era strip club? Yeah, Peter Stringfellows. It's been going a long time, but you can walk past Stringfellows and you know it's it like it's just one of those places in London that's those iconic. Strip club places. You can just go in there and wank. No, no, it's very high class Stringfellows. Oh. All the top models will do shows there. Kate Moss in the nineties used to go and shoot. Yeah, regular, hand regularly. Jobs? How much do hand job there? I wouldn't know. I just give them out for free. <laughs> in the, in, in the, the dumpster in the back. Yeah, in the alley. <laughs> in the back alley. It's like, you know, go see Kate. Um, hell of a grip. But yeah, you know, Mitchell Brothers was one of those places where it's like I just like that it existed, and they never changed it. It was like a throwback from the seventies. Oh, I would have loved it. It was in just there. classic. Yeah, you would have liked it. I mean, it definitely was a hardcore strip club. Yeah, but uh, but a very cool place to visit. I always used to tell people, it's like if you're gonna come to San Francisco, you're gonna see one strip club. You should go to Mitchell Brothers. It's a shame. Yeah, it had a history. And plus, the other thing too, compared to like the shitty clubs that I worked at under Deja Vu, is they empowered their dancers by treating them with respect. They really did. Like the women could set their own price points. That's brilliant. That's not That's how great. it is with Deja Vu. Yeah. Deja Vu is like twenty dollars a lap dance. Don't don't let them tell you otherwise. You know, it's like fuck you. Yeah. These girls should be able to make as much money as they can. Yeah. For, especially you know? considering that's good if you are changing clients as well and you're like, oh, I'm not into this guy. So I'm going to charge him more. Well, or. Oh, you, this guy's my regular. But it's so part of got the a hustle. Set price. Yeah. It's part of the hustle these girls do. It's like, yeah, sure, for $20, you can get this You're going to get this. But, but for $300, guess what you you'll be have. getting a hand job. You're going to get the <laughs> flashlight. Flashlight, <laughs> not a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I was reading here that employees, I guess, knew that the club was due to close eventually because uh, they sold it. I guess it was up for sale. A purchase price of either $10 million or forty grand a month it was put up for sale in uh, 2018. $10 million isn't really that much when you think about it. I guess, but I mean, you'd still... So $10 million just to buy the building. Just to buy the building. But you'd have to pay what, whatever your property taxes are. Mm. 
you know. I'm just thinking, yeah, even from like a San Francisco point of view. I don't know what they're going to do with the building. My favorite thing about the place was it had this amazing mural of like this aquatic, yeah, like this aquatic scene with like whales and sharks. And then one side used to have like a safari scene, but I think they painted the whole thing now to be like an ocean scene. Loved it. Yeah. It's like so many pictures in front of it. So I'm going to be a little bummed if they tear, if they, you know, tear it down and turn into like a fucking microbrewery or something. Mm -hmm. This is probably what's going to happen. But yeah, I guess, uh, you know, they expected it to close, but they just didn't think it was going to happen last week because of the COVID. So, but I think that's going to be common. I think, you know, uh, once, once the COVID is controlled, there's going to be a lot of businesses that will never come back. The difference I think as well is over here, we have like the, um, the national history trust, which is, is if your building is old enough or has significance enough, say like, I don't know, John Lennon was born there, they will save the building and then becomes kind of like government property. And our taxes, yeah, and our taxes pay for that building to be maintained and kept. So it's a shame that in America, that such an iconic place as that couldn't have been kept by the government as, because like, I mean, things were changed because of that building and what occurred inside that building. Yeah, there's a history behind it. History, yeah. And in law. In uh, LA, things I think you can apply to be a historical landmark. Mm-hmm. In San Francisco, I think maybe just because of space constraints, because it's a small city. Yeah. Um, they just don't give a shit about it. Well, they like, tear stuff down in LA all the time. We were just talking about Amoeba. Well, yeah. That's an I iconic mean, building. Why, why well, was that ever torn down? It's not like, you know, you know uh, like Roman Polanski's uh, house or something like that. Oh, yeah, I, I think the they la- did change that out. I think they might have torn Cielo that down Drive. too. Yeah, that's not Cielo Drive, I think. But someone bought it. Yeah. But there are places in LA that they deem landmarks, like uh, the the Bradford Building, the Bradbury Building. They filmed uh, um, Blade Runner there. But there are you can apply for it. Whereas in San Francisco, I think it's a lot more difficult because there's so many like historic, you know, uh, iconic bars and just torn restaurants. Just nah, torn it down. Yeah, we're gonna put a Skechers in there now. It's really sad. It's yeah, sad it's, it happens. It's kind of lame. Um, hopefully we don't see too much more of that. So we'll see. People's episode 764 here, Sick and Wrong. Uh, we have some news stories coming up next. We have some phone calls a little later. Uh, before we get to that, though, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, guys, it's Stephen again. Just calling from Evan through a miracle of cybernetic processes. Just to say, thanks for creating your Patreon page. I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy Carl Sagan. While we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye. So the first story we have here uh, has to do with a Wisconsin man accused of killing his sex offender Pep Pep with a hammer. Hammer smash face. A hammer smash face of a pedo. Yeah. Some street justice. Uh, this happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, this man is accused of bludgeoning to death his 70-year-old grandfather, leaving the hammer embedded in the man's face. Oh, my. This is all uh, over his history as a sex offender. Now, the weird thing about it is, like, you'd think, just by you know reading that headline, you're like, oh, so his grandfather probably diddled him. Yeah, know? he's the victim. And now he's, you know, can't, he can't cope with it. And his He's therapist is like, revenge. you need to get revenge with a hammer. Mm-hmm. And, or at least that's what he thought his therapist was saying. Uh, Brian Joseph Lutzi, the second. 
Uh, he's uh, 25 of Racine, Wisconsin, was charged with first-degree intentional homicide and burglary while armed with a dangerous weapon. Um, his grandfather, Charles Eugene Lutzi, was found dead in his Kenosha home after a neighbor was unable to reach him. Um, the the uh, neighbor ended up, I'm sure the neighbor looked in the window and was like, is that a hammer sticking out of this yeah. guy's face? <laughs> he's got a hammer smash face, <laughs> just like the Cannibal, Cannibal Corpse, Corpse song. song. I'm going to go home and listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> if I added it on tape on his Walkman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first deputy then arrived after the neighbor called 911, and he walked into Charles' bedroom, and he found the elderly man lying dead on his bed, blood splattered all over the walls, and the hammer was still embedded in Charles' face. The handle pointed Toward the door, the center of his face crushed inward. Oh. You yeah. know who is the nastiest serial killer from Wisconsin? Well, Ed Gein, probably. Ed Gein. Yeah, yeah. well. The butcher of Plainfield. What about Dahmer, though? He's not from Wisconsin. Oh, no, yeah. He's in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, who's worse? Well, Ed Gein wasn't really, like, killing folk, was he? He was doing much weirder things. Jeffrey well, Dahmer no, was, was definitely getting killing. women. I think uh, yeah, he, but he, they he only killed two people. Ed Gein would go and dig up people, oh, and use their bodies. Is, yeah. He wasn't really necessarily a serial killer, but he's obviously a deranged fuckwit. But Jeffrey Dahmer was very much a killer and also a deranged. <laughs> he was also but at the I mean, time there was also way more serial killers going on who I think are a lot worse than Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, I mean, I think just in Wisconsin. I mean, if you think about, it, I think Gein was making like lamps. And lampshades. Yeah, he had a curtains. box full of his favorite yeah. vaginas. Well, you know, uh, I often wondered about that. Is if uh, if Ed Gein and Jeffrey Dahmer would be the best of friends or the worst of friends, be- or like the worst of enemies? Yeah. Because uh, you know, Ed Gein had his drawer filled with uh, severed vaginas, and whereas uh, you know Jeffrey Dahmer had a, a drawer filled with severed penises. So do you think if they went over to each other's house, he'd be like, "Oh, this penis fits in this one." And I would, understand you. Yeah, like, it'd be friends. You know, fun. or do you think he'd be like? You're a disgusting cretin with your drawer full of penises. Yeah. And vaginas, that's normal. <laughs> you know? You homo. Like, I, I don't know what would happen. Yeah. Who knows what would happen? Um, so, yeah, you know, it's the, the, the uh, deputy found the hammer still embedded in his face, which I think is sloppy. I think it it's sloppy. Is. You're leaving your DNA and they can trace the hammer back to where it could be bought. And I feel. You Take it use, with you. Well, or use a household instrument, like a frying pan. Frying pan would also have been good. You could bash his face in with a frying, frying pan, pan and then wash it off, put in the dishwasher, run the dishwasher, done. And then you leave. Yeah, you know. And I don't think this guy really thought this one out, you know. I think this was completely. emotional. Maybe it was emotional, yeah, yeah. Um, so the case against Brian Lutzi that was laid out uh, by the prosecutors, um, he was actually born... After the grandfather's 1991 conviction. So okay. he wasn't diddled. He's not. Do you think that's what actually upset him? He was like, what? That he wasn't well, diddled? I wasn't attractive enough to be diddled by my pet pep. He chose <laughs> some to diddle someone else. <laughs> Isn't that like the plot of an It's Always Sunny yeah, episode? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still used to always say that he was upset that Gordy... Never really is that magic diddled fingers? him. Yeah, yeah. Gordy Bagalki never uh, diddled Steve. Did you get magic fingers? I, no, I was. T- I never had him as a teacher. Oh, did you know? Yeah, I did have another uh, pedophile's teacher, but he didn't really. He just grabbed my nuts. Yeah, just a little. Just a little squeeze. Yeah, a little squeeze. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so uh, this guy was born after the grandfather's 1991 conviction, and he had last seen the man when he was a child. Like, his parents were like, you're not hanging out with the pedophile grandfather. Yeah, not Pedophile sure. pep-pep. Pedo pep-pep. Pedo pep-pep. Um, but I guess uh, Lutzi here was very troubled by his grandfather's past because, uh, you know, he had been a pedophile, and he was very, very bothered by it. So let me think, of, let me to think about this. Like, how bothered... Would you be by this? So, like, if you found out that you're, you know, when you're a teen, that your grandfather diddled a few few kids and then went to prison for eight years, ten years, and then came back out, like, would you be like, he's a sick fuck, I want to kill him? Or would you be like, he's a sick fuck, I don't want to hang out with him. I'm not going to sit down and watch Matlock and masturbate. I'm just going to, like, do my own thing and probably never talk to him again. I think that's what 99% of people would be like. It would be a shameful family secret. You'd maybe only mention it. At Christmas time when you're all hammered. But other than that, you're not talking about pedophile pet pup. But would you go see him? Like would no. you want him in would you want him involved in your life? No, I don't want pet pep pedophile in Just my life. A pedo. Did you have any pedo relatives, Kate? Not that I'm aware of yet. <laughs> I thought you had that one that uh killed himself. Yeah, but I've actually never found out why he's killed himself. Oh, so you don't because you what would you say like you're uh He's your my uncle. uncle. Yeah, Killed your uncle. himself in prison. Himself, right? Hung himself in prison. Did Epstein maybe. Who knows? But you don't know why he went to prison. My mother always said that she couldn't remember why he went to prison. Oh, he is such a diddler. He, well, I he don't know. He is a pedo. I don't know. Sure. I, I'll have to uh, find... I'll write a family Christmas letter. I'll bet you a tenner. I bet you a tenner, governor. <laughs> he was a bloody fucking nonce. He was a buffty. But that's the thing. I... You know, I would, I would be like, well, that's kind of weird, you know. But uh, and I wouldn't let him babysit my kids. <laughs> you know, I'm probably not. But that, but other than that, I'm not going to kill the guy. It made me think of. Uh, so I had this cousin. I think he's still around. Yeah, he must be. Carrie Joe. Mm-hmm. Carrie Joe was like this weird, very like stereotypical gay guy from the '70s. Like wore super tight pants, a mustache. Carrie he was just Joe. like he wasn't. Yeah, he was an adopted cousin i i guess cousin-in-law because he was like a he was the adopted son of an uncle on the other side of my, like my uh yeah like an in-law okay my family but carrie joe is just kind of weird super gay very 70s gay and so i remember just as a kid and my mom I thought my mom would call him uh there's a yiddish name she's like oh he's a nice guy but he's a bit of a cooney lemel and i was like what, a cooney lemel it's like yiddish for like gay guy or something a cooney lemel i think that's what i don't know if that you know i've never looked it up and i don't know if that's like the yiddish term for like gay like yeah. a gay person oh, but you know there's a yiddish term for everything mm-hmm. so and some I, of them are very vicious some like, of the yiddish all. terms well, yeah, yeah jewish people are very like, vicious yeah you know like, very xenophobic racist yeah yeah um, yeah, I mean, been very racist too. But so my mom would be like, "Oh, he's a nice person, but he's a bit of a coony lemel." And so me, me and my sister thought it was hilarious. It's like, oh, and you know, and as we grew older, um, I remember being like, "Because my brother came out of the closet, came we, out as being a coony lemel." Well, <laughs> he came out as a coony lemel, and so I remember being at family events because we'd only see, maybe see Carrie Joe. You know, on Thanksgiving or something, if we went to my aunt yeah. Nancy's house, and so we were there, and I'm like, "Hey, Carrie Joe, you know Jeffrey works at the uh, the cell block. It's a leather bar. I don't know if you've been there." And then Carrie Joe be like, "Oh, you work at the cell block? I know and it very well." My brother well. just be looking at me like, "You dick." Yeah. <laughs> you know what's really funny? He's a nice guy. I don't know what ever happened to that guy. I, obviously, I wasn't like that in touch with. I'm not in touch with that whole side of the family. 
I think actually they probably don't want to be in touch with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do recall one time, like we were hanging out. It was probably like, and I was like maybe like 14, 15. And we we're hanging out at my Aunt Nancy's house on Thanksgiving. And I was saying to my mom, I was like, you know, Carrie Joe's a weird guy. She's like, yeah, he's a cootie level. But you know what? He used to babysit you three all the time. There's a great picture of him bathing you. And I was like, what the fuck? You had Carrie Joe. You've left us. With Carrie Joe. The Cooney level. He, he bathed the three of us. Not that, you know, I don't think he was going to like fuck us or something. No, but, but she he was did a weird it. fucking man. Yeah. And you would just be like, yeah, here's my kids. Bathe them, please. <laughs> yeah. I We're wish- going out for the night. And my mom was Me just and like- the rabbi are hitting the town. <laughs> but my mom would be like, my kids. it was the 70s. Yeah. It's like, as if that's an excuse. Mm-hmm. I don't we know. We all did it back then. <laughs> but yeah, I used to always fuck with my brother when we'd see him. Um, anyway. So yeah, that's the weird thing. Uh, Lucy couldn't get over the fact that his uh, grandfather's a pedo, pedo pep pep. And so he said, how can you forgive him when he was talking to a relative? And he told this relative, thinking about taking him out. Okay, so this relative is like, yeah, uh, oh, he always says weird stuff like that. He, oh, you know, he's a bit dramatic. He always says weird stuff. Well, no, what this relative said was, Jesus, he paid his debt to society. It's been a long time since this happened, you know, and it's over. So I think the family's moved on. Well, that is the entire point of prison. It's about rehabilitation. You serve your time and you come out afresh and new. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess that's, that's the thing. And he never reoffended since he came out of jail. He was just living in his fucking trailer. He didn't, but he was denied parole for a reason. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, So, yeah, you know, this relative was just like, I think you should just let it go. You know, come on. Stop focusing on yeah. it. Yeah. Focus on, your, on yourself. Days before the homicide, uh, Brian visits his grandfather's home pretending to be a census worker. Um, his grandfather didn't recognize his grandson, probably because he hadn't seen him in like you know 15 years. But he was spooked by the visit because his visitor did not have any identification yeah. on him. And so, you know, he should have gone with the Amazon delivery guy. And just was asking for a house. Yeah. Well, I've noticed in my building, Amazon delivery guys, they don't even have uniforms. There's some random dude. It's almost like a Lyft driver pulls up. But he's got a box and it's like, fine, I'll take yeah, the box. Yeah, just Uber Eats. Be like, oh, man, man like my Wi-Fi's down. I just want to know, is this yeah, like census whatever your worker? address is? Census that makes no sense. Is an odd one. It's an odd one. Um, I guess uh, the grandfather told his friend about the concerning visit with the census worker and uh, this is on August 13th, the last day he was seen alive. Mm. I found this odd because I was thinking, like, do you think he only hangs out with other ex-sex offender friends? I think they do. Because, uh, or either that or you keep it very, very secret, don't you? Because nobody is going to be like, oh, yeah, he used to be a sex offender, but he's an okay guy now. <laughs> like, but I thought you had to, like, I thought you had to tell everybody the name. Do you have to do that in the UK? Like, do you have to go to your neighbors? Like, do you personally have to go to your neighbors? They get a letter. <laughs> You'll get a letter sent to you saying that a, convict, a convicted sex offender has moved into the neighborhood. And oh, can, everybody like, gets reason. a letter. Yeah, everyone within, like, a certain, like, range. Do they range. tell you which house? I'm not sure. I've only seen ever seen one of these letters. Um, I've only ever received one of these letters. So I can't remember. It was a long time ago. So do you know if there's any nonces in the hood? There are no nonces in my hood. <laughs> <laughs> only me. <laughs> Asking for Tracy Lord's child bar. 
I bet you this guy, you know, because what ends up happening with a lot of these guys, they get released from prison and then they got to like be in a sex offender community because no one will rent a house to them. Yeah. And like most houses are kind of close to schools and they've got crazy rules that you yeah, can't be. So, they end up living in the wilderness. In and I'm Ed sure Dean's just, house. Yeah. They end up living yeah. in like a tree house with just pedos in the wilderness. You just don't want to let your kids climb into that tree house. <laughs> but I wonder what they do. Do you think they hang out trading stories about the glory days yeah <laughs> i always got them in my van with grape jolly ranchers always worked for me like a charm <laughs> yeah look at charms boys look at charms i preferred milk duds yeah <laughs> um but so they found a backpack at uh, brian lucy's home that was stained with blood dna testing sh- showed that the blood belonged to his grandfather charles lucy's obituary described the vietnam veteran as a beloved friend to many Except for the children <laughs> too, he sexually assaulted. Too much of a beloved friend, <laughs> yeah. Um, court records portray him as a man with a long history of sexual assaults. Right. He was convicted in 91 of first-degree sexual assault of a child. The victim was his own relative. But it wasn't him. It wasn't the well, grandson. It wasn't, uh, so the I grandson, wonder who grandson. that could have been. Maybe it was his mum. It says it was a child at the time, so probably it was like one of his cousins. Yeah. You know, maybe his aunt or something. But, I mean, he's had a long history of it, so he probably, you know, most a lot of people. So, apparently, in 2002, let's see, was granted supervised release, but the release was revoked three months later because let's see, refused to participate in sex offender treatment. He said, I don't need sex offender treatment because of my Christian faith. <sighs> yeah, he said that uh, because he was a born again, he doesn't need sex offender therapy. I, the Lord has risen in me. And I will not rise in a child no more. <laughs> well, he says a strong faith rendered him safe to the community, which I don't think it works like that. Well, you want to fear a man of the cloth more about touching your children. Well, think about the, the Catholic priesthood. Exactly. They, yeah. uh, their favorite hobby is touching those kids. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, I don't think, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that they're, I don't think, I don't think the faith works that well for the Catholic priests. I don't Although think it's a good excuse. It. Yeah. I don't think it's a good excuse to not go to your therapy that is court ordered because you are now a Christian. Well, the ther- It's not an excuse. No, it definitely yeah. doesn't. It's, it wouldn't work for anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, the therapist said uh, he was using his faith as a substitute for uh, the sex offender treatment. And uh, she terminated him from the group session. So they revoked his parole. Uh, he testified that he did, not, he did not like to think about the behavior that he was convicted for. And he tried to think about only positive things in line with his faith, his strong Christian faith. Oh, yeah. So I bet the image of him coming in a child's mouth never floated back into his mind. Well, unless it was it Jesus doing did. it. Yeah, Jesus. If Jesus was doing it. Uh, he conceded not believe the court-ordered treatment was necessary. He also admitted he was a born-again Christian when he sexually assaulted his young relative years earlier. So what? He was born again when he was raping those children? Well, he was baptizing them with his semen. I would say that's right. Oh, that's how it works. Yeah. I mean, there's a Christian, you know. I'm not religious, so (laughs) I would know nothing about being baptized with semen. I'm sure you've been cumtized a few times. I can tell. (laughs) I can tell. Uh, Brian Litzy has been in uh, Kenosha jail since August 17th. And uh, I guess he was also jailed for an alleged violation of his probation from a a prior conviction. He might be a hero. No. You don't think so? No, I just think, yeah, I'm kind of with his relative on this. Like, get over it. Yeah. But I just wonder in prison, though, if he's going to be a hero. Cause like, yeah, you he probably will be because, yeah, he's, you know? he's killed a diddler. He killed he's taken a diddler. a diddler off the street. Get a little special tattoo for that. 
Yeah, what do you reckon it looks like? A Jolly Rancher. I was just thinking that it would be a tiny penis and a really big hand. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have here for the second story? I have a very gruesome and gory tale for you. Gruesome and gory. My favorites. So, he looked like the devil. A New Orleans resident's bloody encounter with a machete murder suspect. So, a 23-year-old man unleashed a shockingly violent and grisly attack Sunday afternoon, hacking his girlfriend to death and wounding his own teenage siblings at a Laplace? Laplace? Home? Laplace? I think this took place in Louisiana, so it's probably like a suburb. New Orleans. New Orleans, so it's probably a suburb of New Orleans. Laplace. Laplace, according to authorities. Oscar Uriason allegedly chased down his girlfriend's 15-year-old sister, cornering her in a neighbor's open garage where he slashed her with a machete-like knife until her screams attracted the attention of the homeowner, a 63-year-old man who asked not to be identified. Is this like a bath salts kind of thing? Was this guy on uh, on something? Are they popular in knowledge? We always hear about uh, you know someone freaking out and eating someone's face off like in florida like yeah that one see guy... bath salts i associate with florida yeah it's pretty yeah. close new orleans like a couple hours away yeah in the south so when the homeowner opened the door to the garage uranus uranus <laughs> uranus. uranus when the homeowner opened the door to the garage uranus who was standing over the curled body of his girlfriend's sister turned his face dripping with blood i looked him in the eyes he looked like the devil is that a good new orleans impression it's not that bad. It's, it's not that bad. Cool. So wait, his face was dripping with blood? Yeah. So what did he eat her? You're going to find out. Oh, okay. Um, said the homeowner who described seeing Urias walking around the property with the teen's innards wrapped around his neck. Whoa. Like a like a lei from Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a very cool. beautiful lei. Very Halloween. It is. Urias was later arrested and booked with two counts of first-degree murder and two counts of attempted first-degree murder after confessing to the killings, said Sheriff Mike Trieg. Trieger. T-R-E-G-R-E. Trieger. Trigger. Trigger. Oh, yes, know. it is French. Trigger. Authorities identified Urias's girlfriend as Elizabeth Tornabani, 31, her sister, who did not survive her intestines being ripped out and worn as a necklace, has not yet been named. Urias's sister, 17, was in critical condition Monday at University Medical Center in New Orleans. His brother, 15, was treated and released on Sunday. So, okay, he was at home with his girlfriend. He kills, her girl- he kills a girlfriend, and then he kills his sister, too? I think he... No, his um, girl... Her girlfriend, girlfriend's sister. Yeah, he's killed the sister. There's two sisters. He's attacked both. All right, and these aren't his his blood relatives. No, this is his girlfriend's. He's basically okay. gone to his girlfriend's house and just started hacking. Did they say like what it was over? Was it over like were they watching like Ninety Day Fiance? Oh, yeah, you don't want to watch it. it. Yeah, don't spoil the engine for me. <laughs> uh, where was I at? There. This was a vicious attack, Trigger said. This is probably the top, worst that, that I've ever seen in my 32 years of law enforcement. They always say that. Yeah. A few miles away, members of Extreme Cleaners, clad in white jumpsuits, scrubbed blood from the front sidewalk of the single-story home that Uranus and Tornabay shared with her sister in the 1800 block of Fairway Drive. 
Blood could be seen dripping from the door frame and down the front step. Did you try and find crime scene pictures? I've not looked. No, actually, I didn't. I wouldn't mind finding a picture of him with the intestine lay. That'd be kind of cool. Uriah's siblings were visiting from Baton Rouge for the weekend, Trigger said. All five were talking in the living room about 4.30 p.m. Sunday when an argument erupted between Urias and Torrenbe about 90 Day Fiancé, according to authorities. No, it wasn't 90 Day Fiancé. <laughs> Although I wish it was. It's a great I've show. Ne- yeah, I've never seen that show, but I've seen oh, really? the memes. That's a great show. I'm not really into reality telly. It's not something I spend my time. There's that, gr- there's that one guy who has the no neck. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's my favorite thing about that show. I've talked about it before. My favorite thing about that show, it's like you have these disgusting odious like older men like i mean they'd be like in i don't know 80 or 70s and they go to like fucking singapore not even singapore they go to like thailand or cambodia and they get this young girl like basically the family's like yeah you know give our daughter a better life and she's like 18 and she's got to date this old cretin and then it's like the culture clash when she comes to the states mm-hmm. and lives in, his, lives in his old man house and she's disgusted it smells like old man in here he eats cabbage <laughs> yeah and, and she barely speaks any english <laughs> yeah. the my favorite thing about the show too is they try to show like intimate moments that are just so Ooh, awkward i didn't know about that <laughs> that is awkward that's the kind of porn i'm into urias he went into a bedroom followed by his girlfriend who walked out within moments urias then emerged armed with two knives and wearing a red-coloured devil's mask, authorities said. He proceeded to brutally attack Tornambe, stabbing her to death. Okay. His little brother and sister tried to stop him and he turned on them and stabbed it. Oh, so they're his relations. So wait, his, his little brother sound- and sister. Okay, it sounds like his relatives were at his house yeah. or at his family's house or whatever. I don't know where the parents were at, but it, it sounds like they were there and he was his girlfriend and his girlfriend's sister were there too. Yes, there's a lot All of right. people inside this house yeah. as this is going on. For like 4.30 on a Sunday as well. Sunday afternoon. Yeah. The boy and Tornabay's sister ran from the house with Urias close behind. While the boy flagged down a passing motorist for help, the girl ran into an open garage in the 2400 block of North Sugar Ridge Road. A very American name North for a street Sugar there. Ridge North Sugar Ridge Road. Urias continued the attack once he'd found her, according to authorities. The homeowner, whose wife and gran- grandchildren, ages two to seven, were inside the house, was watching football when he heard what desc- what he described as tired screams. What's a tired scream? Yeah, I thought about that. I was like, what is a tired scream? Because you'd sounds- be like, I heard moaning or I heard wailing. But what's like a tired scream? Is that more like a yawn? Yeah. Like a terrified <laughs> yawn? Well, I don't get it. I mean, a tired scream. It's not a blood-curdling scream. You'd think if you were getting murdered, stabbed to death by a guy wearing a devil's mask, it'd be a more of a blood-curdling, not just like a tired, terrified yawn. Yeah, and there's like a lot of people in this house. There's a lot of action. But only one person was tiredly screaming. It sounds like an oxymoron, kind of tired scream. Do you think he had his football game up so loud that that's why you couldn't oh, hear it? that could have been it. Yeah, maybe. I wonder who was playing. Not that I give a shit. <laughs> so when the 63-year-old homeowner opened the garage door and spotted Urias, who was no longer wearing the mask, he said the fo- he thought the man was trying to steal something. But when the homeowner saw the blood in what he called a machete in Urias' hand, he said he quickly, quickly, he quickly stepped back and out the way of Urias's swing. Oh, wow. So he's wearing the devil's mask. He swings at him. No, he's no oh, longer no, he's not wearing, wearing the, mask. the mask. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if he has the intestine necklace. He, uh, he did at this point. So he's got the intestine necklace. No mask, though, but he's got a big old machete. 
Was this during halftime or in the middle of the game? Oh man, you'd be good. He would be so good if it was during the game. Yeah, especially if it's a good game. You yeah, know, he's missing he's it. Now it. he's got the fucking maniac with a bloodstained machete. The homeowner said that he shut the door and he braced it with his foot as Urias, crazed and growling, began kicking the door to gain entry. All right, there's got to be bath salts. Something going Something, on. PCP. Yeah. Something, Something. I don't know. I knew I couldn't let him in here, said the homeowner, who recalled desperately ordering his wife to get their grandchildren upstairs and bring him his rifle. Get those kids upstairs, bring me my rifle. <laughs> After a few minutes, Urias stopped trying to enter the door and returned to hacking at his girlfriend's sister. The homeowner described hearing wow. through the door the rhythmic wax of the machete. The thwax the of the machete. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he's, he's busy doing his work. And now it's, you know, this the guy interrupted. Work. He opened up the garage. Mm -hmm. He's got the devil's work going on. And, you know, meanwhile, he's like, you know, fuck it. If I can't get in the house, I'm just going to continue what I'm doing here. You know? I knew what he was doing, the homeowner said. I knew what he was doing, the homeowner said. The last thing I heard her say was, you're going to kill me. Well, no shit. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's whacking her with a machete. Like, what do you think is going to happen? But you wouldn't have thought he's going to wear my intestines as a necklace. Ah. Not yet. Peeking through a front window that was visible to him as he braced the door, the homeowner said he saw Urias walk out the garage with parts of the girl's insides around his neck. He also said more body parts were later recovered from the driveway. The sheriff's office declined to confirm the teen's injuries. Ooh. So, yeah, he did, uh, he did hack her apart. This is some definite bath salts now because it took three sheriff's office deputies to arrest Urias, according to the homeowner. Do you think he hacked off her titties? And what one of them is like Mickey Mouse ears. No, maybe like, you know. Or put them on his chest and pretended he had titties. I want Mickey Mouse ears. Well, I guess I could see that. But I, no, I was thinking like, you know how when you make those popcorn necklaces and you put like, you mm -hmm. know, like a little thing or something in between the popcorn to make it look more like you're what, decorated? Cranberry? No, more ornate. Like, I wonder mm -hmm. if he took the intestines and then put the nipples. Oh, and was like between. trying, like wrapping them round. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a like that. Little, no, I want, I want Mickey Mouse ear titties. You want nipple ear titties? Yeah. Just like Nip Mickey Mouse. <laughs> nipple Mickey Mouse ears. And then yeah, he could have used the cool. blood to create some whiskers as well. Oh, you could be like a really a deranged Mickey Mouse. I wish I was on the scene parts. to tell him what he should have done. I could see that. Like, you know, uh, this could be like the Disney killer. Oh, the Disney killer. Yeah, where he like happens. turns his victims into like different Disney characters. Yeah, each one would be like a different one, like Disney princesses. Like Goofy, yeah. <laughs> Goofy. <Princess> Jasmine, <laughs> Pluto. Yeah, I kind of like this. I like where you're going with this. Yeah. The only thing I regret is not being able to save her, he said of the girl who died on his garage floor. I didn't know she was only 15 years old. I bet he also regrets that his football game was interrupted for all of this. Yeah, I imagine he probably regretted that. Yeah. His beer got cold. I know football fans. His beer probably, you know, got warm. Mm -hmm. The pretzels yeah. didn't get eaten that day. And it's hard to get back into the game after witnessing something like this. Yeah, I bet he was. And if it was a good game, I bet he's very upset. Well, yeah, now he's got to call the, the popo and he's got to deal with like all the blood in his garage. This guy's not going to come clean his garage. He's going to have to... Oh, no, the extreme cleaners came oh, in. Extreme but clean. like, Yeah, but those extreme cleaners, do they clean the whole thing or they just take the body parts? They take the body parts and clean the blood. Oh, they clean it all yeah, off? Yeah, they clean it all off, oh, so okay. it's sanitary. Who pays for that? I'm not sure. I think the police department pays for it. I'd make sure that they did a thorough job. Yeah. Would you go out there and just, like, Jew clean it up yourself? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'd, be, su I'd be supervising the incident. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be supervising. 
I would totally try and keep some body parts to sell on the black market. Just put like your foot over like a severed finger. Yeah, I'd be like, selling it on like murderbelia.com. Yeah. Furtively bend down, pick it up, put it in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Urias and Tarnaveni had only been living at the Fairway Drive home for about a month, according to Triga. Investigators aren't sure where they lived before they moved to La Palas. Urias, oh, his last name is very hard to say. Urias. You're having Urias. Some difficulty with that one. It's, it's like Uranus, Urid, Urias. <laughs> Urias, isn't it? It's U R I A S. But it's like a Latin name, like Urias. Urias. Urias, probably. Urias. It's probably Urias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a native of El Salvador was in the country illegally, Triga said. These goddamn illegals coming into this country. Joe Biden's not going to keep them out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, after Joe Biden builds his wall, oh, yeah. his wall, he will keep them out. The damn wall. Yeah, I'm sure. Urias was being held about bond on Monday, but because he was considered to be too dangerous for the Lieutenant Sherman Walker Correctional Center in La Palace, Triga made arrangements to transfer Uranus into state custody until trial. Uranus. You're in- <laughs> you, say his name. you cannot say that you guy's name. Stupid El, Sal- El Salvador name. Just be called Smith. <laughs> like Smith and Jones. It's a lot easier. It's, yeah. it's a lot easier to say. He's that. A stupid name. <laughs> but he's a very bad man. Yeah, I want to see if I can uh, find a picture of him wearing the intestine lay. I would um, like to see all the body parts in the driveway that they had to deal with because so that was undisclosed. His girlfriend's dead. His uh, sis- yeah. girlfriend's sister's dead. She's beyond dead. But his siblings are just injured, right? Yeah, they run off. Wow, run yeah. off. And like the and the football game. Don't forget about that casualty. And Nobody got to watch. Yeah. the Yeah, I don't know if day. any of them are going to be visiting this guy in prison. Do you yeah. think this is the type of guy that if he gets out in twenty years, relatives will come back and kill him? Oh, I think with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not a pedo. It's not a pedo, it's just murderer. It's not a pedo, he's just mental. Yeah. So maybe not. A mental murderer. Uh, people, send your story to gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. But first, here's a word from Adam and Eve. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. I've been getting a lot of calls lately. A lot of people calling in about you, Kate. Okay. Yeah, some yeah. good, some bad. I've had some nice messages. <laughs> there's been there's been some good messages. I yeah. wish the people who were sending me death threats though would like kick it up a notch. Oh yeah, they they could do that. What about the guys calling? They're just masturbating to the sound of your voice. Yeah, they should also send in death threats at the same time. Be creative, guys. Come on. Well, I think this next caller is definitely masturbating to the sound <laughs> of your voice. Ah, D and wow, Kate. <laughs> I am nursing a serious chub right now. Kate, your voice just reminds me of my late teens, early 20s, hanging out with a student friend of mine up in Hull and Lincolnshire. Um, is that, uh, where, where's that? What do you say, Hull? Hull is in Yorkshire and Lincolnshire is like below Yorkshire. So this is epic farter with a with a raging chub. 
right now, just listening to Cade's voice, reminiscing. He's going, he's waxing nostalgic for the uh, for his preteen. I am romances. neither from Hull. I am not from Yorkshire, and I am not from Lincolnshire. Epic fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mystery. It's, it's a, mystery a mystery where you're actually from. Do you think? Because that's one thing I've noticed about English people. I mean, obviously, I'm terrible at it, uh, but English people have this knack for um for for recognizing dialects like regional dialects so do you think someone's gonna be able to pinpoint the town you're from hmm i'd be very impressed if they could because where where i'm from on the borders slash in the north we use all the local dialect is kind of swapped and shared with scotland as well so if someone can pinpoint where I'm from, they'll get a prize. You'd be impre- oh, they'll get a prize. Yeah, we'll send out like a dildo to them or <laughs> a flashlight from Adam and Eve. Oh, wait, okay, wait, wait. You're suggesting? You know, I do. That's an interesting thing. We maybe we should do that. If a you competition. Can figure it out. Because I have this whole big box of fucking like I don't know, like flashlights and dildos. Adam and Eve just sent me all this stuff because they had overflow, and I was thinking, you know, maybe it's time for a competition. Yeah, so this can be a competition if we can pinpoint it. Don't cheat. And like, try and Google me. I'm pretty much invisible on the internet in a lot of ways. So if someone did a search for your band, they wouldn't be able to figure out? It's just all Glasgow. But you're not from Glasgow. No, but I did live in Glasgow. All right, if you can guess where Kate came from, you're going to get something from Adam and Eve. Pretty sure that's where your accent's from. I might be wrong. He's wrong. But (laughs) you float in my boat. Um, His terminology. He's just farting and winking and the whole time. No, you're, and, you're, you're, and you're catching doing, fish. <laughs> that's why I'm floating his he's boat. He's fishing, farting, and winking. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the sound of Kate mm, Rambo's voice. My dream man. <laughs> I'm pretty speechless, to be honest. I mean, Dee will probably fill you in on the details, but I've been separated since January now. Um, I still haven't had any action. Um. Don't you find that surprising? <laughs> he hasn't had any action. hasn't got hasn't shagged any birds since uh, since January. I've heard the rumors about what sailors get up to together. I find it hard to believe he's had no action. I mean, like, are you saying sailors like fishermen that mm-hmm. do the same thing when they're all alone at sea together? Oh, that what could they be. Get up to. And he does live above a gay pub, I think. Right? Does he? I think there's a reason Epic Farter and his wife split up. Possibly, yeah. I think he's. I think he's going the northern bird route. To me, that's what it sounds like. He's like, you know what? I've been able to shag. I don't know where he's from. I forget, like the Midlands or something. Yeah, don't. is that where he's his from? Down is? south. All right. Yeah. I bet you he struck out in his town. He's like, you know what? Those northern slags—they're easy up there. We are. We are. And yeah, you're the nearest thing to some action I've had in a long time. Oh. I'm looking forward to hearing your voice every week. Thank you. Um, I don't know what else to say. I'm 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 almost speechless. I'm I'm even prepared to give up the farting. <laughs> no, she Just likes that. For half an hour of you on my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd have that little snippet. Um, welcome to the show. Welcome to our world. And I'm looking forward to hearing your lovely tones and stories and talk of filth and debauchery and mayhem i have plenty of them love you babe (laughs) love you babe there you go love you babe thank you that was a very nice welcome from epic how do how do you feel 
like with the mental image of you sitting naked on uh, Epic Farter's face. Like, does that, that that's, what men, that's what the men's are thinking about right now. I can only do that if Epic Farter is farting epically, of course. What if he wanted you to fart? On his, in his mouth, <laughs> on his face. Then there would be prices. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be some cash involved. Yeah, it'd have to be. Yeah, I mean, it's that goes for any northern bird, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I would, there's, a, there's, a, there's certain. I'm not saying I would drop free. my chips for him just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in time. You know, I'm surprised you're going to be probably getting a slew of dick pics on Facebook. Maybe even in your DMs and Instagram. I said, everyone's been pretty respectful at the minute. Oh, I've enjoyed wait. the death threats the most. So if people send more death threats. Yeah, there's a, there's a few people that are upset, obviously. Yes. But uh, I think there there's is. a lot of perverts out there that are probably quite titillated. Well, I am also a fellow pervert. So we all share the same realm. I like this guy who uh, isn't even calling about you, really. He's reminiscing about Wackerly. This is Eddie. I called maybe a year ago. You guys hear a couple of my stories about being in the hospital, the mental hospital, because I'm by polar as fuck. But uh, <laughs> he said, "I'm bipolar as fuck." Like in a Cartman voice. Bipolar Eddie. Bipolar Eddie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> bipolar Eddie here. Uh, huh, I'm real. I was just going through some of your earlier episodes, and I heard this comment from one of your listeners, ladies, like saying, like. That uh, you and uh, Wackley still had a bad chemistry. Like what? I mean, no, no, no disrespect to Harrison, but you and Wackley were like the duo. Like I go, I go to YouTube and I've listened to every single earlier podcast that's on there. It's like from one to thirty-nine. I listen to all of them because it's just you and Wackley. Even though the early. All right, who's posting free podcasts to YouTube? I'll find you. I will find. I have a he's special. A Jew. I have a special set of Jewish skills. Yeah, he's a Jew. There is money to be found. If there's oh. money to be made. I will track you down. In the chemistry, is he talking about your sexual chemistry? The Must sexual be. chemistry I had with Wackerly. Yeah, it was thick. It was the tension the was thick. It was. It, really was, you know? mm-hmm. Same with me and Harrison, but it was different with Wackerly. It was a different type of sexual. Yeah, obviously, there was a good chemistry with fucking Wackerly. He was on the show for ten years. I've known that guy since like nineteen ninety four. Yeah, you know, it's like it's different. But I mean, I think the chemistry with any host is different. You know, mm-hmm. the episode, your chemistry is just there. It's hilarious. If I had a million dollars, I'd tell you guys to go back and do your regular regular podcast and do you. But uh, sadly, I don't have a million dollars. Like that would happen. Um, but anyway, like, uh, I can't believe it. She's throwing shade at Wackerly? The Wacker talk? Come on. Anyway. <laughs> Team Wackerly. All the way for Bipolar Eddie. Bipolar Eddie wants the Wacker cock. He wants the Wack back. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you if like this guy even offered Wackerly like half a million dollars to come back and do this show, I don't think he would do it. Not for half a million. <sighs> he just likes to drink and uh, ride his bicycle around and play with his dogs. I think he's done with the podcrafting. You know, may- I might be wrong. He might do it for yeah. half a million dollars. Love your show. I hope you keep doing it because I know that Harrison quit. And you've been having like, you know, weekly spilling guests. But I don't know how long that's going to last. Please don't quit the show. It's just good. It's hilarious. I, I've actually even, like, so, I, you know, I like, like listening to the early ones with Wackley. I actually went, bought from year one to year eight or year seven. I, I bought all those archived episodes 
with like my PayPal just because I love listening to you guys. Hopefully you can find somebody else that's just as good as Rocky. It's never happened, but maybe you can try. But uh, anyway, I love your show. Listen to it all the time. Keeps me, keeps me. It helps me go to sleep. Actually, I'll put it on before I go to sleep. I'll put it on when I'm working when I'm jerking my back. You know, you know. Also, like, you know, uh, much love from Florida. Love you. Bye. I was about um, to say, where is bipolar Eddie from? Florida. Florida. Makes sense. Do you think yeah. he knows Dizzy Jake? Well, I mean, Florida's a pretty yeah, large Yeah, I love it when people go, oh, you're from London, so you must know my friend Dave. <laughs> Just everybody <laughs> yeah. in the country and yeah. the island. Yeah, sure. Oh, I will say that, though. This is a hint to where my accent is from originally. Um, I was born in Camden, London. Ooh, so you're a southerner. Not I am a true southerner. northern bird. Uh I am a true northerner because my parents were northerner, and then oh, okay. we they raised me in the north. But I was my start of my life is in the south. So sometimes when I get really really drunk, my like Camden voice the Camden comes accent out. comes out. Yeah, like because when I'm saying something, I'll say that something, something in it. That's very southern. You don't say that up north. I love when the uh, the northern birds get really drunk and that like the dulcet tones of their sexy voice <laughs> yeah. accent comes out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very soothing <laughs> yeah, the to my American birds. ears. <laughs> yeah, I really like bipolar already. I want him to ring in with like crazy, um, like, uh, did he say he went to the hospital? He's been in and out of mental hospitals. We haven't heard. He did call in a couple times. It's been a while. So bipolar already, definitely call us call back. Call back. I like him. I want to hear his, like, I want to know more about, like, he's got to have some crazy Florida hospital stories. That'd I bet you he has a lot of episode stories, too. That's what yeah. I want to hear. Come on, know? Eddie. Love the name Eddie as well. Just listen to the One podcast of my favorite at night. Names. It, yeah. Eddie is a much nicer name than Epic Fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next call we have here is uh, from Pearl. She called in about the election. It's very topical. Ayo, it's Pearl, and it's election night, technically early three. She can't really say, hey, daddies. Pearl can say, hey, daddies, Okay, still. Pearl, you can you, you can, can call Kate daddy, too. You can call me daddy, Pearl. 3 a.m. on the 4th. I have no fucking idea who's president. Arizona went blue, and I think we. the next time there's a hurricane, I'm not going to donate anything to the Red Cross for Texas and Florida and all them suck-ass states because fuck them. Anyway, I want to talk about Oregon for a second because two things happened tonight that are Huge. amazing. First of all, magic mushrooms, just mushrooms in general, like the, what is it called? Psilocybin. Magic mushrooms are now legalized for medical purposes. Well, they say it treats depression. They do. Chronic depression. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so they legalize psilocybin. Microdosing. For, yeah. yeah, for medical usage, which means that you just have to get one of those fake cards, and now you can just go get mushrooms, probably where you buy it's weed. It's a painkiller, too. So. Yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. That That is more progressive than California. Oh, uh, mushrooms not legal in California. You can't get mushrooms here. Oh, yeah. I didn't know can't that. Get, yeah, you can't. I mean, I thought I would, they were. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something similar to this. Well, they should. Yeah, no, I'd love to see that. Which means that doctors can now research them to use in therapies. Which means that the, the funky shrooms are now fully full. They're full, good to go. It's only a matter of time before we start doing it recreationally, as if you know us Oregonians weren't doing that already. Second. Every drug you can think of, doesn't matter, from marijuana to fentanyl to, I don't know, W40, has been... Bring them back. 
completely decriminalized. Like, you don't, if you get caught with any of these illegal drugs, you don't do jail time. It's just fine and maybe therapy. I gotta say that's the way to go. It is totally the way to go. We were talking about this on Patreon, weren't we? Because I think that, because now they have to release everyone in Oregon who's on a drug charge. They are all out of jail now. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of people that were like pulled over because they had an eight ball of cocaine yeah, or something. For you personal know? use. And they've, they've gone to jail. And yeah, now and they're going to be in jail let for out years. Jail. Mm-hmm. It's like, what a waste. What a waste of taxpayer money. Of course. And you it's know? also not the point of prison. Well, I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, you have to, you get pinched for having, I mean, it should be within reason. Like if you have like, 12 kilos of cocaine yeah and they can prove that you're disputing yeah dispute it. you're distributing it then then maybe but the war on drugs that there's never been a war on drugs it's never worked like, no i don't think so either and i think in the end it's just ruining people's lives and costing us money more money than, than it needs to but yeah i think this is this is definitely a huge step in the right direction mm-hmm. surprised that that happened like, that's it. You might go to, like, a rehab center, but that's it. Like, if there's no jail time. It's not a... It's decriminalized. It's gone. So, yeah. I mean, fuck. <laughs> Shit. Go get some fucking that's heroin. Cool. Yeah, go for it, Pearl. You know, it's just... We Oregonians. We, uh, we think drugs are cool, and we use magic mushrooms to make the voices go away. So, <laughs> fuck yeah. Anyway, keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Find me at your local Wendy's burning it down because Trump got reelected. <laughs> wow, she's going to be happy. She's going to be happy yeah. now. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's one thing. It's like, you know, I've been to Oregon. It's kind of, Portland's kind of a cool city to live in. They have the best strip clubs. I would just personally, because of all the fucking hipster shite, that's my attitude towards But The other thing too. Oh, it's a, wait. You know what's a really fucking good film though? My Own Private Idaho. Is that all filmed in Portland? Yeah, that's, that's all Idaho. about- no. Well, the bits of it is in Idaho, but like there's loads of that that's shot just like on the street on Portland. It's like Portland back in the early 90s. I don't know. I haven't seen that in a long time. It was Keanu Love Reeves. Love that film. River young Phoenix. Keanu Reeves and Young River Phoenix. It's yeah. the retelling of um, Shakespeare's Henry VIII. Henry VIII. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Flea yeah. from Red Hot Chili Peppers in it. The Prodigal Son. So good. I love that film. Yeah, but yeah. that's all like Portland in that kind of era when like grunge was ruling and... I didn't realize yeah, and that. And it's all the hero. There's so many like extras in that film that were all like junkies and local kids, and it's a great a, film. It's a weird city, though. I mean, they have great beer actually there too. Mm-hmm. But it's a weird city because it's or the area because you have like all those crazy white supremacists that live there. You know, you got the Proud Boys and all I those. I wonder how they guys. feel about all these drugs. Well, that's I'm surprised they pass it. But a lot of those guys are really libertarian too. Like they're like anti. Well, I mean, they're anti-democrats, but they're mm-hmm. but they're also anti-government. Um, you know, prescripting drugs and things like that. So I think it's a, a step in the right direction. Me too. I'm wondering, I'm wondering how this will affect your acquisition of these illegal drugs. Like, will it be just a lot easier? Can you have delivery services? Like, can I get, you know, heroin and cocaine just delivered to my house? I think it'll be like in Portugal. You're going to have a prescription from your doctor, but you also have to attend rehab and AA meetings at the time you're taking it to get your prescription. Oh, so, so there's you... still going to be uh, drug dealers well, so illegal she... in there, well, but they'll be the one that rehab. they focus on catching now. Do you think anything like this would ever happen in the UK? Nope. Not even nope. marijuana legalization. I mean, if marijuana is legalized here in like the next twenty years, I'll be fucking surprised. It's a Why conservative is that? country. This because it's conserv- Everyone seems to think that. 
Britain like is not a conservative country, but it is very like we're behind the times. But everyone smokes weed here. Everyone smokes weed. What no. happens if you get caught like with an eighth of uh, marijuana? It's not that bad. Is it? But like, you have uh, to be fine? like a repeat offender a lot. They can't, I can't remember if marijuana is a class C or a class B drug, but well, use LSD for instance is class A. So if you get caught with say six tabs of LSD, they're like, this is class A, you're being done for distributing and you're going to go to jail for like the maximum amount of time. What if you had like two grams of gear? Gear? You mean heroin? That's no, what we call heroin. Nah, called... gear's heroin. That's what we I'm, call it. I've always heard in the South they call it that. Well, okay, what about dust? Dust? Angel dust? No, dust is cocaine. You don't know oh, these just, hip no, terms because you live up in the north. I call cocaine ching. 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 I like calling it blow. Yeah, blow is a good one. Blow ching. I've heard in uh in London they call it Charlie. Gear. Charlie. Mm-hmm. Charlie gear, and apparently the young people call it dust. See, I know shows. heroin is heroin is gear, or the horse. So if you got, H. let's say you got caught with a couple grams of gear, what would uh-huh. happen? Well, heroin is class. That's class A. I think cocaine is class A too. I'm not so up on the drug laws here because I think they're fucking stupid. Hmm. I'm just surprised because everyone smokes weed. Everyone I know takes drugs as well. It's not, it's, it's Yeah, it just kind of seems senseless. I wonder if, uh, although the fact of the matter is, it's like outside of Amsterdam, really, or maybe the Netherlands, mm-hmm. the drug laws are pretty strict. In France, Spain. Yeah. yeah I mean, oh, yeah, especially Spain. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not that atypical, but maybe one day you'll be like the U.S., you can one all aspire we... to be like the most important country in the entire world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One day. One day. All right. Um, thank you there, Pearl. And uh, don't burn down the Wendy's. You don't need to. Joe oh, Biden's wait. Don't Wendy's make those um, those shakes? Frosties. Yeah, Frosties. I've yeah. always wanted to try one of them. Frosties are good. Mm. They're good. It's like a chocolate milkshake, but thicker. And it's you're like... supposed to dip your fries in it, aren't you? You know, I've never done that, but I've a lot of that. people are into it. It's good. It fries in a milkshake? Yeah, because it's like the umami. Um, sweet and the it's heat. It's the sweet and the sweet and the savory mixed together. It's good. Oh, never got into that. Um, now, ranch dressing. I'll dip the <laughs> fuck out of ranch dressing <laughs> yeah. and fries. Um, all right, last call we have here is from uh, Psycho- Psychopathia Sexualis. Hello, Dee, and whichever reprobate you've got to co-host the show with you this <laughs> week. I thought that I would regale you with the tale of the tallest person I've ever fucked and the shortest person. The tallest I've and ever shortest. Fucked. Uh, background on me, I'm six foot tall. Whoa. Um, I suppose you could count me as a BBW. Um, big, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Six, six feet tall. Foot. That's, That's tall big. for a woman. I wonder if she wears heels. Do you know what? If you're that tall, you just would. But it would be a nightmare to find shoes of it. Oh, that that could be, yeah, yeah, that could fit you. Yeah, you'd have to go to big and tall stores. I've dated a couple girls that were like, I dated one girl, Max, uh, and then moved down here to be with, uh, she was 5'11", and she would wear heels, so she'd be like 6'3". Yeah. Just towering Towering over over you. I know, I kind of liked it, though. Did you feel like a pimp, a Jewish pimp? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, Like, I was like walking in, like, you know, pimp Rothstein or something. with with He's my tall, lanky bitch. (laughs) But, you know, uh, I remember she was saying something like when, like, after we broke up, because it kind of became a bit acrimonious, she was like, you know, I just didn't like the way he climbed around on me like a beagle. And I was like, what? A beagle? Well, what type of dog do you think it would be? At least like a Scottish terrier or something, you know, <laughs> a just a one. fucking beagle. 
Yeah. Just yipping Beagles around. are very lovable dogs, though. Everyone loves a beagle. Not a fucking beagle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know what you think she is either, you know? A bigger French. beagle. Yeah, something. Great fucking Dane with those legs. <laughs> <laughs> I got Lhasa Apso or something, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Just means that I'm pretty powerful in the body, and that is code for fat, and that is why I do burlesque. I know that's uh, Dee's saying. Yeah, that is my anyway, interpretation. Anyway, so the shortest person I fucked, um, let's call them Anna. They're four foot eleven, Whoa. which is dwarf. fucking tiny. Four foot eleven, um, you're a dwarf. Ginger girl. Yeah, if you're under five foot, technically you're a dwarf. But four that eleven means is the cutoff. She's six feet, and she was dating someone over a foot. Now that is a beagle her. shagging a great day. Yeah, yeah. That's it's four eleven. That's almost a chihuahua. From Manchester. Um, older than me, I think 24 at the time. I was 21. Um, lots of fun. Um, I could carry them around um, on my hips and kiss them at the same time, which was pretty fun. It got a bit wild at an after party. I'd been doing a drag show. Um, and, yeah, we, she ended up covered in quite a substantial amount of pink lipstick. And then the tallest person I fucked was when I was... You know, if you think about it, she's kind of like built like a Robert Crumb girl. Yeah. You, you know how like Robert Crumb just Oh, like, he loves it. He just he like these huge women that he could like. Huge, powerful women. Yeah, yeah. And he could like get piggybacks from and just like She just sends around. her pictures to Robert Crumb because he'll draw her. He draws oh. like you can send your picture to Robert he's Crumb still and he'll alive. draw you. I thought he died. Yeah, he's still alive in Robert Crumb's still alive. No, his son died. Oh, his son died. Son died. But like, I love his wife as well. She's called Alison Crumb. She's an artist in her own right, and she's great. I remember his His brother fucking weird brother in San Francisco. With a string. He's dead. He died too, I think yeah. he was called Charlie. Charlie Crumb. You'd see him on the street all the time. He's the reason that they yeah. say that Robert actually started doing the comics. Have you seen that great documentary? It's David Lynch. Yeah, it's yeah, an Crumb. amazing documentary. Yeah, it's really good, yeah. yeah. But yeah, she definitely has the physique of a Crumb girl at university and he was a local i think coach driver who i met on coach Tinder. driver um and he was Bus six driver. foot 11 which is just an inch shy of seven foot um fuck he, that guy's a foot taller he must be like the size tall. of a basketball player yeah i love how like i thought coach i just thought stage coach like yeah that's what it is a horse and buggy Oh no, that's no. kind of what I was. But thinking. they do call this stagecoach. We do have stagecoach buses, but it's just yeah. a bus, right? Yeah, like a double decker bus. He's gonna do like long haul trips. Oh, he'll he'll like drive the, from like London up to Glasgow. But it's not like the double decker bus where you sit downstairs and upstairs. No, they're just buses to me. Oh, all right. Coach, you guys call them coaches. The coaches. All right. For some reason, I was just thinking like horse and buggy. And <laughs> And that was the scariest person I've ever fucked, mostly because he was a fucking giant. I don't often meet people who are nearly a full foot taller than me, but um, this was the occasion, apparently. Um, and it's also not often that I get on top, because usually I fuck, like, five foot eight skinny white guys. It's my height. I'm not always sure they can handle it. But this, <laughs> this man was built like a brick shit. Crushed to death, doing so what I, I love. opportunity. <laughs> but more than any opportunity um and fucked him and that was pretty fun um he did bang his head on the way out of the door which i know i should have laughed at but oh god i laughed um yeah so those are the 
the tallest and the shortest people I've ever fucked. Um, I don't know if that is even a quantifier. It works for me because I lost count after probably the second time I went to a swingers club when I was 18. So, um, yes, keep it sick and keep it wrong. I hope you're doing well. Um, goodbye. Well, thank you there, Psychopathia. Um, that's interesting. Like, it, may, it made me, gave me pause to think, like, who is the shortest and who is the tallest mm-hmm. that I've ever banged? Yeah, I was just thinking that. I've banged, well, let's see. I banged a girl 5'11". That's my tallest. Mm-hmm. I, I dated two girls that were 5'11". Mm, oh, wow. So, yeah. I don't, you know, that's not something that bothers me. Doesn't I know the reverse, me. though, bothers women. Yeah. Like, they don't like, Certain women don't women. like to date guys shorter than them, you know? Yeah. I've never encountered a guy shorter than me, but I have dated a guy the same height as me. How and tall I'm are you? five four. You're five four. Yeah, that would be a small man. So do you, short. Do you are you into jockeys? What do you mean by oh as in jockeys <laughs> you ride in? Yeah, horses. <laughs> They're all dwarves. They're all super tiny. They're little men. They're, They're little men's. Yeah. Um but like the tallest I've dated, I think, is around like six, three, six, two. It's never something I'm ever looking you for. You don't seek it out. No. But if you meet a guy that's like six, three, are you just like, well, that's a plus? It doesn't even bother me. I don't even like think of height in that way. Would you prefer a guy you're like close to your same height or like maybe like a couple inches taller versus like a foot taller? Just like honestly, it doesn't bother me. Doesn't matter. So, okay, what's the, who's the, short, the shortest guy you ever banged is five, four, five, same four, height? Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty small man. Yeah, so he was the same height as me. It was quite sweet. Did you did you like it? Um, well, it's like we're all the same size when we lie down. Could you wear? See, that's that's the difference. When mm. uh, you know, maybe she thought that's why I was like a beagle, but um, that's the thing. It's like when you're fucking the girl from behind on the bed. If she's that tall, like I had to like stand up a little bit. I had to like squat, yeah. like squat. You know, mm. like on top of her to get you know to get the the things working. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's there's certain positions Mm -hmm. that are more difficult to do. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's true. There's obviously more legs. I think the shortest girl I ever boned, and that's the thing. I'm not really into tiny girls either, but Mm -hmm. um, I'm into girls like definitely thick in a good way, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not really into super thin. Not opposed to it. Not into like super big girls either. But this girl was like, I would say probably about five feet tall, Asian. Very short. Yeah, yeah that's very short. Small. Very petite. Yes. I mean, she's sexy. I, I'm, I'm not, that's the thing. It's like height doesn't really bother, you know, it's not like a, a motivating factor for me. Yeah, not for me either. You know, it's like, it's not a, a deal breaker. Whereas with a lot of women, especially American women, I don't know how it's like in the UK, but American women, they'll put on their Tinder profiles. If you're under six feet, don't bother. See, like I can see if you're like a six foot tall woman, then it's different. That it's fair enough to say... I only want to sleep with six foot tall men because maybe you don't want to be sleeping with people shorter than you. Maybe it bothers you. But if you're somebody of average height like me going five foot, well, which is not an average height. I'm quite no, short. You're shorter. Yeah, for, yeah, petite. So if, you're, if I'm saying I only want six plus men, it's fucking cheeky. It's cheeky. Because you're just like <laughs> automatically discounting all these amazing like people who you could get to know just because of vanity well i think part partially it's a genetic motivation because if you want to breed don't you want to breed tall men yeah but like you can be sleeping with short men who have fucking great 
great big cocks. Just because you're tall as well doesn't mean you're going to have a big cock and know how to fuck. And like, and it that's, also doesn't mean that they're, the kids are going to come out and be like six foot five. That's got to be the worst to be a really tall guy, like a six foot four guy with like a four inch cock. That's happened to me. Three inch. You've wait, been with a huge guy like that. I had like yeah. a tiny cock. Yeah, he was like this rockabilly dude. And a, a lot micro-penis? of people find. No, he wasn't quite micro penis, but he had, did have a very small cock. But a lot of people fancied him because he was like this rockabilly guy about town. Was it all foreskin? <laughs> all smegma. <laughs> I scraped off that smegma and I kept it. And then I put it on my toast. <laughs> is that what you keep in your masturbation room? <laughs> yes, it is. He's in there right now. So wait, so how were you a bit shocked when you saw the cock for the first time? You just like, is that it? Is that, is that it, mate? it, mate? What am I meant to do with that? Fucking. Fucking hell. Is it a pencil <laughs> or an eraser? <laughs> no, but I mean, were you a bit shocked? Yeah, I was just disappointed. I was like, well, I'm not going to be having, I'm not going to be coming tonight. Yeah, but I mean, did he your face. He was also a terrible lover because I think if you have a small cock, most men realize they have a small cock so yeah, they will overcompensate, overcompensate and yeah. they they will like learn to do better things. But did you like. he didn't, he was a terrible lover as When well. he pulled it out, like you're going down on you and at the pants. Yeah. Did you just have this like, did your face register the disappointment? <laughs> like, like, did yeah, you see in your did. eyes that you were just disappointed? I think I was like, because a few people said he, he didn't. He wasn't like stacked up, so I think I was like, oh, "Wait, you heard right. about this?" Kind of through because it, like I'm not really a person to kiss and tell. Although that is exactly what I'm doing right now <laughs> <laughs> on that fucking like radio show. Hey, yeah. I'm not dropping names. He knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so you, so this guy, Mr. Rockabilly here, mm-hmm. he's got a tiny cock. He pulled it out. Did he say something before? Like, hey, you know, bit underdeveloped down no. there. No, it was just like, here it is, go for it. But he was dreadful across all departments. Because oh, okay. you can have a small cock and still be a fucking great shag. But he was just dreadful. But you still shagged. You weren't just like, there's nothing I can do with this and just go like, and sit and watch TV. I at this point now. So like, we might as well go just like, go all the go way. Go through it, yeah. You know, uh, my friend, I'm not going to say her name, but she was with a guy, similar situation, also mm-hmm. a rockabilly dude. It's the ro- I tell you what, rockabilly guys have small dicks. Maybe that's why they get the it's fancy like the hot rod cars. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but this guy's a rockabilly dude. Really attractive guy. Um, people, very popular. And a lot of girls had this very similar situation that she found herself in. He, like, right before they're getting hot and heavy, as obviously getting to the point where they're going to have sex. Before he pulls his dick out, he would say, just so you know, I got a baby dick. I hope that's not a problem. And then she was like, well, this is weird. I'd be like, how small of a baby dick? It leads you into being like, show me. Well, she was like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then she pulled out and she was like, it was a baby, di- like a pinky, baby? like a curved yeah. pinky finger. Was she like, oh? <laughs> no, she was just like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm supposed to do with that. Yeah. What it's, would you do with that small? She said he, they couldn't really have sex. I mean, it was, she couldn't uh-huh. even feel it. Like, she was like, yeah. And so they kind of did. It was really awkward. And then the condom kept falling off because it was too big. <laughs> And so he, he, she said he just ended up, he ended up eating her out, which he was actually good at. Well, he, you'd he have said to be. that. And then he just kind of jerked off on her. Like, you'd no. have to be amazing eating out. Also, if I, if I was that guy, I would build an arsenal of weapons and just be like, I've got, like, you know, I would spend, like, I would buy the 500 quid dildos. Yeah, but then are you supposed to reuse a dildo? Oh, that's a good point. But that could be your selling point and be like, do you know what? I've got this. $500 dildo. And I wash them. As your I power am very wash clean it. with them. Sterile. I am great with them. But this dildo, you will never experience anything like it apart from with me right now. I would be like, okay. 
I think what I would try to do would be like, uh, you know, I'd try to like be the best cunnilingus, cunnilinguist. You, you would have to exists. go down that realm. Yeah, because you got to you gotta make up for it somehow, you mm-hmm. know. Um, who's the fattest guy you've ever boned? Have you be- ever banged like a big fat guy? I'm talking like John 300 pounds. Yeah, like, like Chris Farley size. No, I've never been with a fat, fat fatty, but <laughs> my ex is, was a chubby boy. Was chubby. a chubby guy like Chris Farley chubby? He was getting on that way. Whoa. Were you into it? Um, No, but again, I don't like date people because I'm like so much into like, oh my God, he's got to be six foot and he's got to be a fucking quarterback. He's got to have like a six pack. Yeah. Um, But I mean, there comes a point though. Like, did you have to yeah, lift, was the did end, you have to lift was... his gunt up to like get, <laughs> his, like get his to gunk. his penis? I washed him with a rag on a stick. Did he put his gut on top of your head <laughs> yeah. while you were... <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's when I really got turned on. <laughs> I'd have multiples when that happened. Um, but no. he wasn't that bad. No, he was very chubby, but he, like, carried his weight well. But he was he was a chubby man. He was a, did he have, like, multiple chins? He could have. Like, him <laughs> when, when he uh, would, like, if stick his like chin that, down. moved his chin back? Yeah, but he was, like, broad-shouldered and, like, broad-chested as well. So he could carry his weight. Is but he towards the, largest the end, man? it became very much an issue that he was a fat, fat, fatty. And I did didn't you, like it. Or did you call him out? Like, you fat fool. All the time. Because he always <laughs> used to say that he wanted to lose weight. And then you'd catch him eating 30 mini donuts. He's like, well, how are you fucking losing weight? It's easy to lose weight. Did you put him on an exercise regimen? Uh, no, because it's you can only lose weight when you want to lose weight. But I'm like a pretty healthy eater. And I, I do exercise. I look after myself. He would just be like, oh, why aren't I losing weight as he's shoving donuts into his mouth? Women, it's it's interesting because a lot of guys, like that's the thing, short men, I've said this before on the podcast, short men are like fat girls to guys. Like, mm-hmm. Short men to women are like fat girls to guys because a lot of guys are like, ah, oh, she's too fat. Um, which I, I don't understand. If, if you carry it well, if it fits your body, you're proportionate, I think that could be kind of sexy. But it, it becomes, a, what the point is when it's like you're lazy and you're, and you're yeah. extremely overweight, especially if you're obese, I can see not being attracted to that. However, women tend to put up with that a lot more than men do. Yeah. Like yeah. My, my sister, she thinks it's sexy that Big Jerry's got a big old gut. Yeah, she likes she, it. She's like, yeah, it's sexy. <laughs> it's like a man. Yeah, <laughs> I love when he watches football and drinks beer. I don't know. I, I think a lot of American women are like, ah, he's got a big belly, but it's sexy. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a different standard, I suppose. It is. It's totally a different standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you there, Psychopathia. People can call the sticker on hotline 323-522-4032. I got a couple emails and we got to get out of here. But uh, this one comes from Andy B, who's near Cardiff. In oh, Wales, you, have you been to Cardiff? I have been to Cardiff. I love the Welsh accent the most. You sound like Liam Neeson. <laughs> no, he's Irish. I have a special. Yeah, he's, he's Irish. Irish. He's not even Welsh. Doing a Welsh I accent, Welsh. I have a special set of skills. <laughs> Who's a famous Welsh guy? A famous Welsh. Oh, um, uh, who married Liz Taylor? I love his oh, accent. Oh, Hugh Grant. No, <laughs> married Hugh Liz Taylor. <laughs> oh, uh, what's his name? The old guy. The old guy actor. Oh, uh, I forget the guy that married Liz Taylor. Liz Taylor's husband. I'll have to think about that. Liz Taylor's uh, right, Robert. Robert. Oh my God! I'm trying. Yeah, I'm totally up. blanking on it. I was going to say Robert Goulet, but it's not Robert, Robert Goulet. Goulet. It's Richard Burton. Richard Burton from the Valleys. Yes, he's he he's from Cardiff. Drinker. Yeah, I knew it was Richard Burton. He's from the Valleys. Anyway, Andy B writes in. Love the revamp show. Kate seems like a fine northern lass. Thank you, Andy. Surely her surname is not Rambo. 
It's got to be Kate Hargreaves or Kate Blenkinsop, maybe. I don't know. Are those, Blenkinsop. Are those yeah. like very, is Hargreaves a very English northern name? Uh, yeah. What's well, a very common yeah. northern surname? It's just, yeah, British, isn't it? British. British. What is a common northern surname? Common northern surname. Um, Probably Elliot. Elliot? That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a common one. Anyway, great that you've given the work to the UK rather than outsourcing it to China or Mexico as is the norm. Even more so as you're also a Jew. He thinks I would be sniffing out a bargain, which I am good at. Yes, you are. Uh, brilliant stuff. I'm even considering signing up to the bin ripper level of Patreon. Well, that's a high level. So thank you for that. Uh, thanks for not just packing this shit in and going on the piss every weekend instead. Very tempted to do that. I'm still tempted to do that. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, wait a, we'll wait a bit. Try Kate out. Uh, next call uh, or next uh, email I got here is uh, from Gino. Gino actually uh, emailed me from the Patreon. He says, hey, D, thanks for soldiering on as your co-hosts drop like autumnal leaves into the gutters to be washed away oh, in the next Gino. coming rains. <laughs> yeah. It's very poetic. It it's is. like a Leonard Cohen mm-hmm. lyric. You're steadfast, and despite your doubts, you continue like a trooper. I salute you, sir. Indeed, we all do. Fuck Trump and hail sick and wrong. Thank you, Gino, for the kind words. Thank you, Gino. Keeps me going. Yes. Keeps me going. All right. Um, people, if you haven't already, uh, you know, we do have like this whole tea public store. It's, 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 it's going off. There's a lot of good things on that. You know, what's cool about tea public compared to red bubble. They do these cyclical sales almost once a month. They do a sale. So for example, they're playing this big pre cyber week saying a cyber Monday. Do they have that here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, pre week cyber sale, November 17th to November 22nd, just for five days. Everything's thirteen dollars, so all the T-shirts are thirteen bucks, That's as opposed good. to like I don't know, it's like probably thirty percent off. So go check it out. Go to stickaroundpodcast.com slash shop and click on the picture of the Pope, and you get to the uh, Tea Public store. There's stickers, teas, wall tapestries. Yeah, I'm sure your Pillows. wife. I'm sure your wife would love the stick and wrong skull <laughs> with the Groucho nose over the bed, just a yeah. big tapestry. Um, but yeah, we have all these things over there, and uh, yeah, if you wait, November seventeenth, November twenty second. You get the uh, the the pre Cyber Week sale, and I'll be I'll be promoting that though. Uh, also, thank you people for supporting the show on uh, Patreon. We do we really appreciate that. It actually really does help the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash Stick and Wrong. And now that Kate's here on the show, we're doing a full revamp of that. There's gonna be more. It's more. gonna be a lot of stuff. New rewards, bonus episodes. I think I mentioned earlier that we we're talking about doing like a kind of a profile of Marilyn Chambers, but what we're thinking of doing. And it's something I've wanted to do, but it's, you know, it's tough because it takes a lot of dedication to get, get these things going and for in free time. Um, I want to do this thing called Sick and Wrong Overkill, yeah. which is going to be for like bonus stuff. So we'll do like, you know, a profile of maybe porn stories, like a profile of Marilyn mm-hmm. Chambers, or maybe like a specific serial killer, something like that that's sick and wrong related that we don't really, you know, do on the show. Yeah, they're not like a big enough topic to devote a whole show to, but, but they're maybe 20 interesting. Minutes. Yeah, like a 20 yeah. minute thing. And or we're going to talk about them. And yeah. it'll be more relaxed, maybe. You know, one thing I want to do, too, which I was thinking about the other night, and uh, this is all stuff that's coming up, but uh, I was thinking of doing, like, a little segment called D's Wacky Records. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I it's kind of, like, almost like Dr. Dementia. I have, like, all of these novelty records I used to play on my old radio shows I did, like, in college and on Rampage Radio. 
just a ton of them I've collected over the years, like the Sensuous Woman and the oh, Kama yeah, Sutra, all I these weird... So I've, I was thinking I might just play some of these wacky records and comment on them. But this is all stuff that we're going to be posting to Patreon. There's going to be new rewards. Um, you know, some of Kate's music from her bands is going to be available. Yeah, be also, Kate funny. has some saucy pics she's going to put up there. So there's a lot of shit going on <laughs> and coming up on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Um, sign up today. Uh, we do appreciate the support. I finally hear Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. The multi-talented Marilyn Chambers. She was a she was a songstress. She was crazy talented across many areas. And so Kate found this song. You picked this out. It's called mm-hmm. Benny Hanna, and it's like a disco song. Yeah, it's like it's it's very Donna Summers. It's of it's, that kind of like. Well, disco. it's kind of of the times. Totally, you know that was yeah. pretty big there. So it's from 1976. We're gonna end the show here with Marilyn Chambers. Benny Hanna. And if you haven't already, go check out Behind the Green Door. It's a fine film. Family fun. It's on Pornhub. Yeah, it is yeah. on Pornhub. It's only an hour long. Did you say you watched it the other day? I did watch it the other day. I love I've the not seen it in a long scene. time. The end like the scene effects, is amazing. Very artistic. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a good movie. Uh, so we're going to end the show here with Marilyn Chambers, Benny Hanna. People will be back next week with episode 765. Until then, take it sleazy.
I literally do not listen to podcasts other than you. I tried to, and it's just really fucking irritating, which is kind of surprising because you are a Jewish sucking cock bitch. But hey, I there's nobody else out there who's going to talk about a retard sucking a poop dick. Okay, you're D-Silent. You're the only asshole that's going to talk about a retard sucking a poop dick. 